Welcome to the race day coverage of the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Righto guys, welcome along to episode day race day coverage of the Kona Super Superficials 2012 and I'm going to have to use the mic between us. We, and we're not going to have to, maybe this won't work, but we'll see how it goes. But it's basically, right now we're basically, we're just on, what's, where are we? Where are, where are we, John? We're Planani Hill at, uh, just outside the King Cam Hotel and the finish line is about 100 metres straight in front of us. And the time is about, what John? It's around about six o'clock, and it's around about six o'clock at night. And uh, we thought we'd actually get the show up tonight. We've spent pretty much all day getting coverage. We've got over an hour of interviews with pretty much top ten men. We nearly got all the top ten men, including good interview with Pete Jacobs and um, all the rest of them. And we also got most of the top ten females as well. So it was really great. Pretty much as soon as they got across the finish line, we got in their face and got some really good interviews. And so before we get into that, John, who are our sponsors? The Manalani Bay. Hotel and bungalows, and I'm sure you know uh, who was it we were talking to the other day. They go down there and they just absolutely love it, they just find it nice and relaxing. So, if you're ever coming over here for the 70.3, check it out. If you want to come over for a training camp, um, we had old Mark um, from Honolulu telling us he, he hooks up with three or four families and they book out a bungalow there and they can do all their own cooking and uh, get themselves sorted nicely. Or if you're going to come over for Hawaii, um, either a place to chill out before the race or chill out after the race. We also have Endurance Sport Travel. If you want to go to any Ironman race, almost any Ironman race around the world, and if you want the hassle to be taken out, check them out at endurancesporttravel.com. And then the, the smaller sponsors? We have O2 Creations. Uh, lots of people asking about T-shirts. We're going to be selling those. might take another week or so for us to get it up online, but they will be, um, will be on live. Audio Technica, hopefully the quality's been, been awesome. They've been... What? Today's we've been using your equipment today, and I think you guys will notice a significant difference on just the live stuff. It's really, really great. Mm. And Blue Seventy for helping out with the Blue Seventy wetsuit aquathon, and then our regular sponsor, Training Peaks. I'm really intrigued to go onto trainingpeaks.com/kona and seeing some of the post-race uh, power files. And if you want to get on there and try a bit of the uh, premium plan, use the code I am Talk this week, and you'll be able to check, check, check. It out. We've got SLS Try, we've also got Extreme Endurance, we've got Coffees of Hawaii, Athlinks, and, and Extreme Endurance, was it? Yeah, said Extreme Endurance. I always forget. I think so. When we do it like this, you know, normally a normal show, it's not a problem. Hey, so pretty much what's going to happen in today's show is we're just going to put up all the coverage we have. Now, once again, we have interviews for over an hour of all the top 10 guys, most of the top 10 females, and some really good insight there because. It's interesting getting them across the line. Look, we're going to go to the media conference in about half an hour from now, and, and they've had time to sit down and think, and you know, and they're going to start to formulate that story they'll tell for the rest of their lives about this race. But when you get them across the line, like well, some of the girls, they're quite emotional, eh? Yeah, very emotional. Some of them had good days, some of them have had bad days, and um, yeah, they were very emotional. And, and and I think we can all empathise with them when you you come over that line. You are very very raw. You know, you've been on the edge for. 8, 9, 10, 11 hours and uh, you're using up all your emotional energy and then when someone shoves a microphone in your face, uh, yeah, and you're trying to explain those emotions you went I didn't mean to hit them all. No, but uh, yeah, a few in particular, they were, uh, 
they were they were pretty cut up and it was it was great it was you know it means a lot to them obviously yeah, it definitely does. And uh, then what's going to happen is after that, basically John and I were out and about taking coverage of what was happening throughout the day. And, and we thought to ourselves the best way to do it is to not necessarily talk about the race, what was happening out there, because you guys know the result by now. More talk about what the experience is like on race day to be a spectator to go around. So it's about an hour of that as well and also some interviews with a couple of age group finishes as well. We'll probably go on later on tonight and get some more interviews, but for that should pretty much do for today. John, I suppose before we get into the interviews, we've got a pretty good interview of Crowley about retiring too, which where he opens up as well, which you look forward to. But um, I suppose just before we get into these interviews, what, do you, what are your thoughts on today's race? Oh, Spectre, for, for me it was the best race races we've had since we've been coming over here. We, we weren't here the year when uh, Macca and Raylert had their, their battle, um, but for me... You, you didn't know who was going to win. You know, we, we, we knew coming off the bike, probably going to be Marino or um, or Pete. You were picking Pete. I was sort of thinking, oh, if Marino, if he can run okay, he's going to hold on here. But he he, uh, he laid it all on the table and, and it wasn't good enough today. Um, and I, I was really stoked to see the, the changing of the guard um, because I wanted to see some new blood coming through on the guy's side in particular. And the girls... Um, that we knew were going to be the favourites, they pretty much all delivered, you know. Um, I was pleased to see Rennie have a have a good race, not a great race, but she's you know she's had a pretty crappy year, and to to come up and have a, have a good race was was awesome. Um, Caroline was disappointed, obviously, because of the yeah. the penalties, and uh, just a, a really interesting day. Lots of plots, lots of twists, and uh, a lot of you guys picked Mary Beth Alice to do well, and she she had a great race. We didn't catch up with her. I didn't see her. No, no. It's it's one thing. Also, John, the medals must be the biggest medals of all time. Look at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are huge. <laughs> They're telling us awesome. That's uh, that's a big medal. That's impressive. Yeah, man. It's a plaque, not a medal. But um, yeah, I, I agree. For me, the race was really solidified in the changing of the guard, and it was interesting. You'll you'll hear soon. We talked to Sebastian Kiln, and and he kind of gives it back to Macker. He's kind of you know the guards change, mate. And uh, and I, and you know it has been dominated by you know Macker and Crow over the last few years, and a few of the old names have just sat around, and no one's been able to break them. But this year. You know, different result, and uh, the young guys have come through, and and you kind of get the feeling that it's not a fluke. They're gonna they're there to stay now, aren't they? Having said that, if we're lining up here next year. If Crowy's here, I don't know. You I wouldn't write him off, would you? You certainly wouldn't write him off. Um, and that was a sh- I'm sure Pete um, would have loved to have beaten Crowy when he was having a really good day. You know, Crowy acknowledged he went as hard as he could, he just wasn't having a very good day. I think Pete Pete was stoked he beat him, but. How happy would he have been if he had like run away from him and he'd run a, a 2.40 and Crowley had done a 2.42 or something. But hey, wins a win, I'm sure he's going to take it. And yeah, just a very cool day. The, uh, the, other, the highlights for me was the way Pete run the race, won the race as well. And he won it as a triathlete. He, he swam bike grand and he swam bike real and strong. Um, I think Ray Lutz's race was phenomenal. You know, terrible swim and uh, put him on the back foot. But his, his strength and character, this, this guy's got to win this race, you know. And uh, uh, deep in my heart, I think he definitely will at some stage. But, geez, he showed some character, didn't he? He did. It was it was incredible. But we, I put up a post this morning, you know, who's going to run the fastest run splits? And, we're, you know, we go from last year, you know, Pete running a 2.41, I think it was. This year he wins with a 2.48. Yeah. Seven minutes difference. Um, so it's just... You know, the bike plays a huge role on how fast you can run. I, d- I don't think it was particularly 
overly hot today. It's always hot here, um, but it's 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 not. It's been hotter. I think the other big highlight for me and you uh, was to see Natasha Badman absolutely smoking it, which was just really pleasing to see. And we managed to catch her at the finish line. You'll hear a bit more from her. So, uh, so we're going to put those interviews on now. We're going to start with uh, Pete Jacobs, and then we'll have Leander Cave, and then we've got Crowey, and then from there on in, I've tried to go boy girl as much as I can, and uh, hopefully you enjoy those. After that, we're going to have basically from the morning moving through to about the pros finishing, just what we were doing throughout the day. So check it out. We've got an interview with Matt Steinmetz in there. We've also got a couple of interviews from other people as well. So we think you'll enjoy those. Um, just one thing, if you enjoy what we do, spread the word, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, see you at the end of the show. A few years ago, we in, in, in our room in Rote, we had a we had uh, we interviewed him in our, in our lounge in Rote, and we met, he went on to have a great race in that the race here. And uh, over the last that was about '98, and the last four or five years, just progressed and progressed forward. And today, obviously, this is a massive day for you, mate. Uh, talk us through your day. Um, awesome day. Um, you know, huge group of friends and family, and uh, extended friends and extended family here this year so this morning was uh you know just got a lot of energy from them and uh you know I kind of went into this thinking look forget about how I'd I'd try and sit on Andy's feet every year and get that gap and then you know then just chill out on my own for the swim and then you know I figured well I end up in the pack anyway I may as well just swim with start with the pack so I um I took it pretty easy at the start because you know everyone's fighting you just sit on someone's hip and you do bugger all work so I did that um, there was a few times where it squeezed in together, but just being a slightly better swimmer than the guys that were trying to squeeze me out, you know, I was able to just constantly just make sure that I just went through those gaps and through those gaps and was probably, you know, um, besides Andy, you know, the, the, gro- the group, I was always sort of top six in the group and great spot on someone's feet, beside someone as well, all boxed in, did, did nothing most of the swim. Um, I tried to break it up just around the turnaround boy and I thought, well, if I get away, we'll see what's happening, but didn't get away, so I sat back in behind a few people and, um, you know, and just went, look, this is it. This is just, let's just do it different this year and save some more energy on the swim than I normally have done. Um, You know, I wanted to get out and it's still in the front few, just so transition and that you can get your bag and you're not running and crashing into people, grabbing your bike and got on the bike and you know about seemed like about 20 people went past me illegally they just weren't policing the first sort of 5 10k and you know you're not meant to pass unless there's a, a huge gap in front of the next person um, but people just passed a lot so I dropped back to you know 12th or 15th maybe like really quick and I don't like being in that position the roller coaster effect just really knocks me around when on those undulations when you've got to really work hard to bridge that gap when the front guys are already on the downhill you've got to work hard on the over the top of the hill so when the gap started to form and I was feeling good I just you know I was feeling good so I went you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself in the position to to win this you know if I sit back and ride with all these other guys who are, uh, who have good who are good cyclists you know you never know um you know even crowey i went you know i went around crowey and then i was like you know what i'm going to bridge up to the gap of there was another gap up to like luke mckenzie and uh um uh, gambles and and a couple of others oh, i can't remember i don't know who the other guy in blue was that was up there the whole ronnie gilliat roman roman gilliat yeah was it him was it and um you know, and then I caught up to them, and uh, before I knew it, I was on behind Luke, and then I went, oh, this is a bit easy now. So they went around Luke, and, you know, after Waikoloa, I'm leading the race. And, uh, 
You know, I get a lot of confidence from leading and setting the pace and riding my own race. You know, being able to to stretch and drink and eat when I want to stretch, drink and eat. Not when and not ride hard when someone else wants to ride hard. Not not hit the hills and then go easy up the hills and then hard on the downhills. I'd rather go, you know, hard on the uphills and, and get that moment keep that momentum and easier on the downhills. So that just worked perfect for me. All these packs and no one else was able to bridge up. So, you know, I was loving it and just thought, you know what, this is looking good. The other guys must not be feeling great, you know. And there's so many great athletes in the race to to be leading it and uh, and, and riding on my terms. Uh, I kind of started to think, okay, this is going to be a good day for me, you know. At the very worst, the big pack will catch me and I'll just sit with them on the way back. But, you know, they were not too far off when we turned at Harvey. Um, but, you know, once you turn and you hit that tailwind, that, you know, 30 seconds quickly turns into a minute because you've got the tailwind and they're still punching into a headwind. And it went really well. We opened up a gap again, just came down to, like, Luke and myself. And, um, you know, we got joined by Freddie Van Leer and um, Dirk Bockel. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, on the way back, Luke then dropped off and uh, sort of Dirk, Freddie and I took turns. Um, but I found myself on the front more often than not. I was I was quite comfortable. I had a really big lull for a while. Watts dropped down. I, it was great having the quark and the and the Garmin with my power on it. Just have never had that before. So that was fantastic to see when I was hurting and how much how much I was losing in those periods. So um, you know that worked really well. And um, I was really surprised by my watts for most of the race, other than the lull that I had between about 45 and, and 25 and uh, to go. And then, uh, you know, pulled into transition second place. This is, this is not me, you know. I couldn't believe it. But I'd, I've always known that I, I was a good athlete. I always knew I was a good triathlete. I knew I was fit. If I, if I was fit and pretty strong, that I can ride with these guys. I've done it before at other races. I've just been flat here at Kona before. I knew I needed a couple of percent in, uh, in my training and I needed a couple of percent in my taper. And so in, all in all, I reckon I, I've improved, you know, a good 5% at least on the bike. And I had a good day, you know, on the bike because of the taper. So every, all those little things made a huge difference to just riding the, having the bike ride that I, that I could always have had. So, um, you know, I pushed the pace and, and you know when when you know you can't see anyone behind you that just gives you so much confidence you know there's only like three of us and then daylight just and they're long straights out there so it was uh it was amazing to to know that crowy's hurting and that i'm hurting him you know and and other guys like you know such uh, amazing athletes out there so um eight and a half minutes though was sounding like a long time to marino when i got off the bike and I didn't make a lot of time up quick. My back was a bit tight. I stopped to stretch uh, briefly. I stopped to take a piss briefly because um, I knew I just had to be patient, you know. And I chipped away and, you know, it was still at halfway. It was still like five minutes. And I'm like, geez, if I've only taken like three and a bit at halfway, you know, I've, that's the sums aren't working out. But then it went, came back very quickly. Hit the Queen K, he, people start saying he's walking, and sure enough, within about 3K, it must have gone from five minutes to zero. And, uh, you know, and I hit the lead, and, you know, I was real surprised. I'd already been writing my loser's speech, which 
as as uh, Welchy pointed out on Ironman Live, you you don't get a loser's speech. <laughs> there's there's no opportunity for that. And um, you know, because he's a phenomenal athlete, and he seemed to be having a fantastic day. So I um, when I passed him and was in the lead, and I'm like, hang on, you know, I've there's no amazing runners too close to me. If I just keep running, I might win this. So I, I didn't stress and I had some good people running out of the energy lab. Crowey was running down into the energy lab at that point. He kind of, he, he came into the center of the road towards me and just yelled at me, relax, relax. And, you know, that was great, you know, to hear it from him and, and just realize, okay, yeah, I've, I've got this. I just need to relax and just get home in one piece. So I relaxed. I took the hills easier. I walked pretty much every aid station. Um, or just jog them really slowly just to cool off, get fluids in, make sure I grabbed ice because it's hard to grab, you know, three cups of ice when you're running. You've kind of got to walk ice down the pants, the top, the back, and then some in the hands as well. So I did that most aid stations and, um, you know, and just tried to treat it as, as a comfortable run. And, um, you know, I didn't wear a watch, which was great. So I didn't have pace. I wasn't worried how fast or slow I was running. And then, um, you know, the three mile to go and I've got four and a half minutes, you know, with two, two K to go, you know, it was, I started celebrating down Polani and, you know, my quads hadn't shattered like they did last year. They certainly were starting to go. Um, but you know, at that point it didn't matter. So, um, yeah, the celebrations were fantastic. The crowd this year is amazing. And, uh, you know, it was so great to to be in first and have all that crowd support, and uh, you know, I just really loved it. When you, uh, I just managed to catch you up when you actually caught Marino, and it almost looked like you completely ran into the back of him in an aid station. When he just came to a standstill, was covering himself in sponges, and you almost ploughed straight in the back of him. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to grab some sponges, and he stopped and bent over and duck, dunked his head in the bin. So. <laughs> I nearly, you know, nearly reached right over him to grab some sponges and, yeah, I think that was, that was it. So I'm not sure how he's doing now. So. The, the other one was um, you were coming out of the eight, uh, energy lab. When you went in, I, I clocked it at about 3.35 and you asked for a split when you, when you were coming out and, um, and I got that at five minutes. What, what was going through your mind coming out of the energy lab? Were you, did you think you were, you were gaining or were you concerned? What, what was going through your mind out of energy lab? Um... Yeah, by the time I came out of the energy lab, you know, not having a watch and seeing the guys just distance-wise at the turnaround, I figured it was around four minutes maybe. And four minutes is, is a long time, you know, when they're not runners, runner-runners behind you. If it had been Crowey and it was four minutes, you know, I might have been more worried. Um, but it was Sebastian Keenlay and uh, Andreas Raylett who I had, who I was equal with in the energy lab last year and still was able to beat him after my legs blowing up. So... I figured that, you know, this, this might be a safe bet at this point if I can just keep moving forward. That's all I need to do. How important is it to you? You're know, you just one kind of best race ever, and it's going to be a, a, just something you'll never forget. But how important was it for you to win as a triathlete? You know, you swam, you biked, and you ran. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice quote you've said. That's, to win as a triathlete is, um, yeah, really important to me. To it. To, to have the race and actually enjoy the bike ride, you know, every other year here, I've hated the bike ride and wanted to retire while I'm on that course because I'm just flat on race day. 
So to be out there and setting the pace is just such a relief and just, you know, just made me so happy. And a few times out there, I, um, you know, just said to myself, my mantra for this race was that I love it. I love the sport, racing, my friends and everyone and wife, of course, Jamie. And a few times out there on the ride, I'm, I'm leading and I just said, you love this, you love it. And I just was giggling to myself just about. And I understand how, and I started to think, I understand why Chrissy smiles so much when she races. Because she just loves it. I, wasn't certainly, I certainly wasn't smiling the entire race. But there were moments where as soon as I said to myself, you love this, um, and, you know, I was feeling good, that just suddenly you just realise that it's, you know, you're here for, you know, you're, you're so fortunate to be here and in the position that I'm in and, and then to be having a good day while here racing, um, you know, that all made a huge difference. When we were on the, um, we were down by Lava Java and we were talking to Evan, your manager, and he was saying, you know, a few years back we were out for a ride with, with you and uh, you were talking about packing it all in. I mean, do you think about those moments and, and where you've come from and how close you, you perhaps were to packing it in? Um, I don't remember that I was ever close to, to packing it in, but you sort of start to quit. Like, it's like I say, just moments when you're having a bad day on race day and you start to question, you know, how am I, how am I ever going to improve? But then you start to realise, look, it's just a small little percent here and a small percent there. A few, tick a few little boxes and suddenly, you know, they all add up. All those percentages add up and you, you have a good day and you're, you're where your abilities lie. You know, you know, there's been this whole when's the changing of the guard going to happen? You know, the old boys have been giving you guys shit for a while, you know, and, and the Aussie boys, are the, you know, particularly Macca, you know, let's not deny it, has been, uh, you know, taunting you guys for a long time. Today seemed to be the changing of the guard, didn't it, in regards to the young guys coming through. How important was it for you to be the person who actually took it over, especially from your kind of Aussie pals? Yeah, um, you know, I'm really honoured to, to be taking over after them, those two holding it for five years. Um, you know, they're the greatest athletes in the world at Ironman and, and at shorter course and half Ironman 70.3 as well. And, um, you know, I think I've already heard that Mac has tweeted that he's, he's really happy that, you know, I've taken over the, the guard. And, um, you know, he's, he's a real inspiration to me and he's always been very encouraging of me as well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up with him and just um, and also just, you know, enjoying enjoying yeah beating those two guys um that was the goal it was you know it was a big deal for me that they were racing you know that really was motivation to to be in great shape it was interesting the, the media conference over there you're sitting next to crowe and, and you, know, you know those media conferences can be a bit pc but you kind of definitely put it out there didn't you you said you know you didn't kind of play it down like previously if we go to the conferences with you you tended to be the shy not shy but you kind of play it back a little bit whereas the other day you kind of said look i'm here to win and, and Crowe, you know what, I'm, t I'm coming for you in a, in a kind of nice way. Yeah, the, the thing about me is I, I find it hard to lie. I'm always, I'm always really honest. And those times that I'm saying, oh, look, I hope I just go all right, are the times that I'm not 100% confident in what I've done. But this race, I knew that I ticked all the boxes. And so I was confident in what I'd done in all my training and all the months. And, um, you know, I knew I was in good shape. And if I felt good on race day, there's always that if. Um, that I could, 
I could have a good day and, and win, you know, because I was, I was pretty close last year yeah. <laughs> on a bad day on the bike. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that's a motivation for me. Awesome. Hey, thanks for your time, mate. Congratulations. Really proud of you, mate. Great week. No worries. Thanks, Owen. Talk. Yeah, in the cave, mate. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Tell us about your day. Uh, it was good. Actually, <laughs> but you know, look, to going into this race, it did look like shit. We're going to have an amazing female race, you know, four, four or five major contenders who are going to be in the game, and it really played out like that, didn't it? Yeah, it was a, we had a real race on our hands this year. wasn't anyone there wasn't out, any outstanding performances. It was just we we're all just slugging away and and trying to break each other pretty much the whole way. It was back and forth in the lead between a few of us. So, uh, yeah, I was just really. I mean, I, it was, I was just in the mix the whole day and I didn't think I was going to be coming out on top, but uh, I wanted to, so I did. <laughs> Were you worried when Rennie was, was, was pretty, pretty there, pretty much there on the run? Yeah, I mean, I was just saying earlier, next to my win, it's probably my second proudest moment of the day is actually to outrun Rennie. I mean, that's never happened in my whole entire career up to now and that girl can run, so I was really happy with that and... and you know, I love these sort of conditions, and I think this is really the gods answered my prayer, and I asked for the what toughest conditions you could come up with, and that was pretty much it today. When did you know you had it? I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I was just wait. Last year, when I passed Caroline at that same very same point, um, Marinda pretty much passed me around the same point as well. So I was, you know, I didn't know where I was. Uh, I, I could see where Marinda was down the energy lab when we turned around, and I was just waiting for her to just come on by, but. She didn't, and then you know, there's, there's any point I, I could die in the race, and I'm just like going flat out as hard as I can, and just waiting for that moment to come. But it didn't, so I was, I managed to hold them off. Tell us about the moment, you know, like it, it's a dream that all triathletes, you know, dream of, you know, running up a Lehi Drive, coming, you know, that finish line in first place. Tell us, tell us about it. I can't really explain it. It's just the most amazing feeling ever. Um, I've won a few world championships, as you know, and this is definitely like the biggest win of my, my career. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, amazing. I mean, having, having that many people here and, and also like I have my family here for the first time um, in any of my wins, and that, that means a lot. And um, yeah, it was a very special moment. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I don't know if it'll happen again. And Hopefully it will, maybe, I don't know, but well, I've got it. I've got the win. Can't take it away. I'm um, going to cherish every moment. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Really proud of you. Great work. Thanks. Thanks. What do you think about the post-race uh, area here, Corey? It's very deserted outside the top ten, but uh, you know what they say to the winner? Go the spoils, and I'm happy to sit here with my good mate, T.O., and reflect on a great summer of training. And plan a great night of drinking. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, so that's about where we're at right now. There's nothing around here really right now. It is very deserted, isn't it? Well, that's what happens when you get 11th, mate. <laughs> you guys couldn't even get to me last year. The bloody, the crowd was 10 deep. We still love you, mate. We're still, we're still here for you, mate. We're... Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks, mate. We appreciate it. Talk to me. Thank you. Love your wit, mate. Love your wit, mate. Excuse me. Um, I just asked Corey if he thinks he'll be back. Um, I think it's one of those things, you know, I think my endurance is getting better, my heart and lungs are getting stronger, but I, I must say this she's been challenging just the body. 
you know, I've been in the gym a lot to try and get st stay strong and had a few issues, hurt, hurt my back before Vegas. And, I, you know, I think this race, what it does is it shows up all the little chinks in your armour. It's one thing to time trial 56 miles. It's another thing to do 112 in the wind. And uh, any little weaknesses, deficiencies will be shown up here. And, and they're not excuses. That's the way it is. You have to be strong. And um, will I be back? I would. Lo I love this race. I didn't. I didn't love today, but I love this race. And uh, depends on the family, mate. I don't. I don't think my wife had the greatest year, um, homeschooling and all of that. So we'll see. I've had a good run, but I'll never say never. You know, I mean, I do have the luxury of only having to validate every year. I don't have to qualify. So. Um, you know, when it's emotional straight after the race, I never make any decisions. But like last year sitting here, and I know it was a different situation because I'd won, I, I felt in my stomach I would be back this year. Not really feeling anything at the moment, just relief that it's over. It's been a, a busy year and, um, yeah, I'll make, a couple, I'll make a decision in a couple of months. But actually, I probably don't even need to make it that soon because I only have to validate next year. But... You know, I, I, it's getting harder and harder. I mean, at some point, I think you need to look at what's best for the family, not only from a stability point of view, but from a financial point of view. You know, typically the WTC races don't pay appearance fees and you jump through hoops and you get paid if you win. But that's a big if, isn't it? You know? Yeah, you get great prize money if you win and good sponsors and good bonuses, but yeah, you're like a gun for hire. You only get paid when you deliver, when you get the bounty. So... Be nice to actually get some guaranteed money, get an appearance fee or two, and never really had that in my career. You know, I've always sort of had to qualify to get places, and then under the you know the pressure of trying to win. And um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I would say it's fifty-fifty. I, I can't lean either way, but it's it's the kind of race where you know you need to be one hundred percent. You can't even be 95 or 97. You, this race, it, it it highlights your deficiencies and, and your weaknesses and your little niggles and, and all those things. And uh, We'll see. I've had a good run here. You know, I'm not going to cry. You, you take the good with the bad. You make decisions. I mean, I could have been a lot more conservative early, but I wasn't. I attacked from the beginning and that came back to bite me. Later in the bike, I got dropped from the group probably at 60 or 70 miles and really struggled the last 40 miles to be honest I never never really got a rhythm going I mean I think I got a rhythm going a couple twice in the run I don't even think I broke three hours so but I did what I could you know I tried I tried the whole way I never you know I never just because you're not feeling it the way I, I normally feel it here I just I just kept pushing hoping that you know I know how things can turn around so yeah I pushed all the way but um you know, if I was to be honest, it, it was never there after about three or four hours today. So it was a tough slog for me, but it is what it is. You know, congrats to the other boys. There were some unbelievable performances. Obviously, Pete and Andy, who was four minutes down out of the water. I mean, I don't know how we got up to second. That's that's almost the performance of the day, obviously. It was amazing, wasn't it? I think you've got to give performance of the day to, to PJ, but Andy, unbelievable. And, and Frederick Van Leer, very patient. Unbelievable race, so... Those three, by and Sebastian as well. Let's not forget that he got a flat tyre. Six minutes it cost him. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, 
those boys raced raced brilliantly and deserved all the plaudits. So. Hey, well, thanks for thanks for your time, mate. And, and either way, whatever you decide to do, mate, you've got so much respect from from the community, mate. We love you, what you do, and what you represent. Yeah. Appreciate that, mate. Thank you. We've got Sebastian Kiln here. How are you going, mate? <laughs> I think it's between uh, heaven and hell, something like that. First place, first time uh, is, uh, I think, very great. Uh, the conditions have been uh, extra hard. I mean, it's always extra hard. <laughs> if the conditions are more easy, the race is just faster. But yeah, I mean, uh, me and Marino, we uh, we have been leading, and then I had a flat tire, so the air was not like you know going out at once. It was just like pss, very uh, very light, and then you know I removed my, the valve extensions before the start, and uh, you know closed the the valve, and so I was not able to let out the the rest of the air, and then uh, I was running around like a fucking clown and try to dismount the tire and then there was no technical support behind me and Marino and yeah then I had to wait uh, six minutes for them and I mean not throwing my bike in the ocean was the biggest achievement today <laughs> yeah but I mean you know um, those races are way more important than when you have a perfect day and you get third place now I have maybe yeah for my legs it was perfect but Bad luck and fourth place, and I mean, if you look behind me in the result list, there are some big names. And didn't ask Croy and Maka; they want to be retired. I don't know. <laughs> oh, nice, he's putting it out there, mate. Love your work. <laughs> he said retire. Maka said retire me, and that's me. <laughs> hey, so so you, you're still still, you know, like you could have got off the bike and been a bit bummed out and kind of maybe just you know head down and kind of caught a day, but you you really kind of stuck at it, didn't you? Yeah, I mean. You, you think about maybe a hundred times to to just drop out, but yeah, then <laughs> you just have to tell yourself, don't think about it, just the next step, the next step, the next step, and uh, it's just keep going, keep going. I mean, it's it's so it's so easy and it feels great for just for for one second if you drop out, but two seconds later you you feel you feel like a piece of shit, and uh, so if you don't wanna, you know, I mean. It's the second last race in the season, and you know, then you have to live with uh, with it for for six months in training, and uh, I think there's nothing worse than this. And uh, so, and I mean, you know, the past told me it's it's always worse to 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 keep going, keep fighting. I mean, especially in Hawaii, everybody is risking so much, and uh, and 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 you know, you you could see it with Marino and. Um, also the other guys, you know, a lot of talking was going on before the race. We are running sub 240, and uh, I mean, if you are, if you have these numbers in your head, and then I think then you are maybe a little bit too tight on the on the start line. Just keep going, and then you will see what happened on race day. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was just great. And um, I mean, fourth place normally is the first loser, but. Uh, I don't feel like one. Well, and you must take a lot of confidence into next year's race. You know, you, the, the flat tyre, as you say, would have been a completely different day. So that's got to give you a big boost in confidence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, it all, um, uh, except from the, from the flat tyre, it was a really, really good race. I mean, of course, um, maybe I lost a lot of time in the swim, but for me, the swim already was really, really good. I, was, I mean, I, you know, I was looking on my left and I saw the... The tattoo from the Railroad Boys um, uh, swimming left next to me, and I was like, "This is not possible." <laughs> I mean, of course, he ha had obviously a very bad day in the water, but I mean, 
I was coming out of the water with guys like Ronnie and I mean that was really my yeah my goal when when I had a perfect day in the water and so I felt felt good on the bike also and I didn't um, uh, didn't yeah popped at the at the last 40k like I usually do usually do and next year I come back untouchable. Yeah, well, thanks for your time, mate. Great work. Well done. Thanks, mate. Great work. Thank you. We got we got Legend here, and and you know Legend because she's won the race six times before, but Legend today as well. Natasha Bateman, here again. Repeat he, he it again. talks too fast. Talk fast. Yeah, yes. What was? How was your race? My race was awesome. I liked it a lot. I had so much joy. It was wonderful. We we saw on the um, coming out of the swim. Uh, we were talking to guy Steve Tarpanian, and um, and he said he'd done a little bit of work with you. And I said, she's only ten, like. I estimated only 10 minutes down out of the swim, and I thought, that's pretty good for you. That was pretty good. Pretty good for my shoulders, isn't it? Yeah. For that, they said I never do it again. I'm pretty proud, you know. It's actually, I learned not to be, be proud on myself. That's not typically Swiss. But through what I came, you know, from not being able to scratch my own nose and now to a good swim, I was so happy. It was wonderful. Yeah. You know, what part of the, when did you kind of know? Today was the day, you know, you had a great race out there. At what stage did you know that you were going to have a great day? I just realised on the bike that I felt, I felt good. I was satisfied what I did. I enjoyed and that was the best, you know. I saw nature, I really enjoyed being back, I felt great. And then I said, actually, that was what I was looking after the accident. After the accident, I said, I want to race again feeling so wonderful. In 2007, I felt so great. You know, I won South Africa, I did world record on the 70.3 and my body just felt great. And I said, that's, that's, that's worth it. Let's, let's work until we come to, again to that level. And today it, it worked out. I, I really had good fun. People, lots of people will say to you, you're 45, you're too old for this, but you just finished, was it fifth or sixth? I mean, are you just keep doing this until you lose the enjoyment or what how do you what what's your plan that's actually a good plan i always say i keep going as long as i enjoy it and the crowd today i mean they were just incredible all the athletes they cheered me on especially the women's yeah. they they were all happy and it it was fantastic so i mean and to be to be to be able to have a body that works as it did with, with how today, I mean, there, there are so many therapists who helped me to come to that level. All of them a huge thank. It was so many, so many dark places that I, so many dark hours that I had to spend and to come on this, it's just fantastic. Brilliant. You know, today wasn't a win, but you know, you've won the race six times, but today was obviously a pretty significant result for you. How does this compare to a win? It's, it's a win for me. For, you know, they said I never race again. Yeah. And uh, now I came in sixth. Yeah. I'm going to write a postcard. <laughs> well, congratulations, mate, and thank you for coming on the show. The gangster himself, David Dello's in the house, mate. How was that for a day? Oh, it was tough. A um, little bit disappointed. Like, like, the bike was a lot harder than I was expecting, and um, I got myself in good position, um, got myself poised nicely halfway through the run, and then, yeah, just... Uh, capitulated really and went from thinking of uh, top five to thinking just get this uh, get this thing done. So Where did you end up coming in? 
I think it was ninth. Oh, we got the top ten. So yeah, um, yeah, top ten on debuts. Um, yeah, it's better than a slap in the face, I suppose. But um, yeah, I'm, I've learnt a hell of a lot today, and um, I think I can uh, do a lot better next year. So, so where do you feel the improvement is? On the bike, I think. Um, that bike was so bloody hard. I don't um, know if that was normal, but. Um, you know, I reckon about 70% of the ride there was a really strong crosswind and uh, that's probably why you saw it so broken up. There was just groups of ones and twos and threes coming in and uh, I really hurt the whole bike and um, that's why I, th I think I paid for suffering on the bike um, the second half of the run. But, uh, yep, it's over now and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> bit of a rest. How'd you hold it together in the run? You know, you obviously stunned fade at the end. You knew that top 10 was, you know, it was pretty competitive at the, that big half of the top 10, wasn't it? You know, just had to dig deep. Um, ah, oh, geez. Well, I suppose um, I've had a, a good year injury free and I think when you've got a lot of Ks in your legs, you can, even though you're suffering, you can just hold it together a lot better. And um, yeah, just thank God um, no one else passed me in the last couple of Ks because, you know, if someone uh, flicks me, I reckon I would have fallen over. I was just absolutely buggered. But uh, ninth, yep, I'll take it. You, you've obviously Hawaii. This is Hawaii, the big thing. Elite Drive. What was it like when you made that final turn onto Elite Drive? Was it ecstasy? Was it just far out? I'm thankful this is going to be over. What was the feeling? Um, I won't swear. It was. I'm glad that's over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, congratulations, mate. Well done, mate. It's great to see you made the top ten. Congratulations. We've got Gina, we've got, oh, test, 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 wait a second, I'll my We've got Gina next to us and her legs are so sore and that's pretty understandable really because you've just smashed Ironman Hawaii, mate, how'd your day go? Oh, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> um, I, the dumbest thing that I did was I had a good swim and then I came out, I think, second maybe. And I forgot to take my swimsuit on. I saw that, somebody said this, she got a blue 70 thing on. I just put my bike shoes on and then... The lady's like, oh, you still got your swimsuit on. <laughs> so I had to take my shoes off and I lost all those people that I was with. But um, bike ride was okay. I was all by myself the whole way. Um, and then the run felt pretty good. Um, had a few rough patches. And I felt all right until I finished and then my legs are sore. Has <laughs> <laughs> the motivation changed? You've got the little fella now. Does, does, does thoughts of him go through your mind at all during the race? Yeah, definitely. I've got to earn money for him. <laughs> I so wanted to get in the top ten, and it was it was a tough race because I did a, an Ironman four weeks ago, and um, I really sort of struggled in the last four weeks with my training. Just felt really tired with the heat, I think. So I just tried to rest up, and um, I think I came right just in time. We didn't catch your place. What, what place did you get? Seventh. Oh, well done. Nice. So awesome! We get stoked for the Kiwis. We get you on the show and talk about what it's like to be a pro and a mum because, like, being a pro in itself is just a crazy task in life. But to do that and be a mum, it's obviously another level. But I think your legs are probably too sore to talk about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Great. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So we've got the legendary Farrah Salsolton today, mate. You had a blinder out there, didn't you? Oh, I had a tough day, but uh, I was very happy with the result. My goal was to be top five, and I could achieve that. And uh, had an excellent swim start. Ah, really? oh, I'm so proud of me. <laughs> so you got off the bike and, and you're in a strong position off the bike, but you ran really well today, didn't you? Held it together when everyone seemed to be falling around around you, didn't they? Well, 
I had I was running strong until about kilometer 20 and then I faded I had a couple of really really dark kilometers but uh, but I managed to dig myself a little bit out of there and uh, I mean it wasn't a super great run but for my standard it was a, a good and solid run and uh, yeah I was happy how important is this win for you? You know, you've, over the last few years, you've kind of you've always come back and you can always pull off a top ten. But five is that next level for you, isn't it? And you know, how good is it to get that there? You know, getting oh, they want this timing chip. How good is that for you today, just to kind of pull off that top five again? Oh, it's a, it's very, it's a relief, you know. Um, after five, well, not so great years, you know, being in the top five and being competitive again uh, is is great and. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm as happy as I can be. Yeah, you had a great race out there, mate. It's great seeing you out on the, on the top end, mate. Well done. Friend of the show, Rachel Joyce, the Joycenator. You, you came to this week being a contender, mate. You, you obviously had a pretty tough week with the flu, and, and obviously it seems... It was a little more than the flu. <laughs> Wait, you, you got pretty severely sick, and uh, obviously it just it affected your day. Yeah, I think it did, and it was, it was hard. Uh, like I really, I had a bad swim, but I, I was really proud of myself because I really fought on the bike and I kind of fought my way into fifth place. And uh, then I think the sickness hit me and there was a bit of an explosion and I just kind of went backwards. And to be honest, I got into T2 and I thought, I don't know if I can run a marathon, but um, the, along a Leahy drive was pretty hard. And then I, I kind of got a fight in me and I thought, Let's just see if I can pick people off. And I was really fighting for top 10, but I was, I think, a minute 40 off. But um, I'm, it's not my best, like, time-wise, it's not my best. But I think it was quite a courageous effort. Awesome. Now, I was saying to Bevan when you were running past, you know, I thought, geez, man, she's done pretty bloody well, how sick you were. Now you go ahead. How did you have to fight? Because you know what, you... I'm sure if you kind of got off the bike and thought, bugger, or even halfway through the marathon and thought, but this isn't my day, call it quits and, and focus on forward. Yet you had a, a really good reason, a really good, not even an excuse, it was, you know, you could justify it. Yeah. How hard was it fight to fight and stay in the game? Um, I kind of think of like my parents have made the trip over, and you know, I'm kind of lucky to be racing here, so. Uh, I was kind of drawing on that. I've got a few songs in my head. <laughs> Took myself off. Thought of Costa Rica's holiday in a week's time. Thought of beer. A whole lot of things went through my head. And then when I started getting close to the top 10, then I kind of was like, you know, I'm competitive. And that wasn't my expectation like a week ago. But you, you, you can change your expectations in a race. So then suddenly, you know... I was probably 20th at one point, it felt like, so, um, yeah, I had a real go at getting into top 10, and, and then I thought, well, I could probably do with some points as well, so, you know, every position counts, so I just, uh, yeah, and I knew lots of people out there, and I just kind of trying to switch my mentality and think, you know, just try and enjoy it. And so, so I was kind of seeing friends out there smiling, giving them a high five and yeah, just trying to stay in the moment and enjoy it. 
Well done. And I think to, to win this race one day, you've got to go through some dark patches, and uh, I think you've come out of this a bit stronger. It's well done. You'll definitely come back stronger, mate. And, and good on you, mate, because we know how mentally and physically challenging this week's been for you, so we're really proud of you. Oh, thank you. So I'll see you guys at the Case West. Bring it on, mate. You're going to go crazy. Yeah. Well done. here, mate. What a great day. Well, it's, uh, it's a dream. <laughs> Wake me up. <laughs> for me, this feels like a victory. You know, the way I raced, I think I did the smartest race of my life. And this was a uh, yeah, respect for, for Andreas. And he, he took the second place. We, it was quite close, but... You know, I'm so, so happy. It's incredible. This, this is my dad. <laughs> wow, he's just sharing a moment with his father, which is obviously pretty special. His dad's just coming around the corner, and uh, it's a pretty special time right now. <laughs> okay, Heather, so uh, Heather Wurzel next to us. She's taller than both of us, John. It breaks my heart. <laughs> How'd you go, mate? Uh, today sucked. Um, I was eighth last year, you know, and the goal is to be top five. My fitness felt really good, and... The round just didn't come together for me, so I think I was 13th, and you know, I rallied coming back from the energy lab, but uh, uh, it's just disappointing, you know, when you feel like you want to really prove your fitness and it just sort of doesn't come together, so I felt good on the ride, but uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a lot hotter and windier today, so you know, such is life, I guess, but... What do you, what do you take from it? Well, you know, obviously you'll be back next year. What, 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 what do you take from this race? Uh, I probably need a little bit while, a little while to mull it over, uh, right? You know, it's, uh, I guess just that you always stick with it because things can come around and there can be a lot of things that happen out in the front. Uh, so, you know, I was happy along Alihi, I was like, I should just jump in the ocean, you know? So I was happy at least that I stuck with it. Um, but yeah, Kona's a unique thing, you know? I sort of feel confident in, uh, most other Ironmans that I'm in contention for the win, and here it's just a whole nother, whole nother thing, yeah. Hey, well, thanks for your time, mate, and I'm sure you'll be back in more strong next year, mate. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Nice chatting with you. We've got two, two men on the couches here. We've got three. Oh, we've got three men now. We might, might talk to you at some stage. We've got Tim O'Donnell next to me, mate. How'd you go today? Uh, good. I think I finished up eighth. Good shit. Are you happy with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, considering my uh, race last year, this was a great step forward for me. So what went well today? Um, just, just... Patience, kind of, and, and not not giving up. Um, had a good swim. Um, really rough second half of the bike, um, but just kept plugging away on the run. And I think I ran up from maybe 17th. To, you made a lot of places, didn't you? Yeah, up to eighth. So um, just as I always say, don't give up the ship. Hey, great work today, mate. Well done. And next year, never step forward. Yep, exactly. So uh, just you know, be a little smarter on the bike, and um, you know, see what I can do. You're young mate, you've got plenty of years in front of you. Love your work. Crow, do you mind giving a word? Nice. <laughs> he didn't say yes, but I'm just doing it anyway. Mate, how'd you go today? I think I was 11th. Tough day? Mate, it was a tough day, but no excuses. That's, that's the way it goes out here, so... What happened? Bike pace was just too quick today for you? Oh, mate, I'm not going to make excuses, but, you know, I think this whole day is about damage control, and everyone has different issues to deal with at different times, and the people who deal with them the best and are physically capable of overcoming them, have the best days. So I probably got what I deserved out there. Um, I got 11th. I was probably the 11th best guy out there today, so it's probably a fair representation, I'd say. Well, rest up. <laughs> Enjoy not having to talk so much after the race. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time.
So coming into this week's race, uh, there was a lot of talk about the females race that we had a real race coming up with you know four or five real strong contenders, and today definitely showed to be that. Tell us about your day. Pun. Tell us about your day. Oh, it was it was actually a really tough one. I reckon um, the times are really slow. Um, the swim was okay, pretty choppy, and then on the bike um, we had heaps of wind, crosswind, and. I got this penalty, which was a little bit annoying, but I tried to get the best uh, out of the situation. So I uh, tried to pick up the, the front group again, which cost me a lot of energy. And I reckon this energy was just missing in the last couple of K in the run. But I mean, that's that's bored. That's something going to happen. And I mean, I still came second. It's <laughs> can, can be worse. <laughs> what, what, um, on the bike on the way back, you seemed to sit with uh, Leander and Mary Beth for a while. And did you did you want to attack them at any stage, or what was your sort of tactics after the turn from Harvey? Yeah, the plan was to go at Harvey or back on the highway somewhere, and um, I tried it, but I couldn't go away, and then. My coach say, yeah, try to go away. If not, if you don't feel fine or if you see you can't do it, just stay and, and do it in a run because my run is should be strong enough to run them run them down as well. So um, I tried it twice and then it just didn't really work. So I made the decision to stay, not using, not not wasting other energy and then um, just try to get, have a really good run. Tell us about your run. Yeah, run was good. Um, except the last couple of guys, of course. Um, just the heat. <laughs> the heat was a little bit crazy today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but Hawaii, the run, it's always hard. I never had an easy run in Hawaii. It's, it's a tough course and... Um, it just feels so, so long. I'm pretty sure it's more than 42 k. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was a great woman, a great woman's race. I mean, we wanted you to come out on top, but um, I don't know. You you fought well. It was a shame that that penalty. Yeah, yeah, totally. You'll be back and you'll be stronger, no doubt about that. I suppose. That, what what do you take from this race? I love this race. Um, the, the, the girls getting stronger and we we're getting so close together and and actually starts to get really exciting to watch the women race as well, not only men and um that's great for our sport, it's great for our our women's sport for, for us and um Arrogant's getting just crazier and crazier every single year, so um watch out next year. When you saw Rennie coming up behind it just you know, like n normally Rennie's the fastest runner and uh, we, we came up we were biking past as you guys were heading towards the energy lab and Rennie was catching up the other two girls who were a bit behind you when you got when you saw her crossing over did you kind of think she's going to take it and but or what do you think when you saw Rennie coming on oh when I hit she has only 10 minutes after the bike yeah. uh, I was pretty sure she'd catch me uh, maybe at the Palani road or something but then the Palani road was still eight minutes it was a bit surprised and then uh couple k's later it was still seven minutes or something and then you mm, it's probably not her day maybe she was a bit too much too much energy on the bike so when you uh if she doesn't catch me in energy lap then she can't catch me anymore so 
I was fine with that, but Leander, Leander came closer and closer, and when I had one minute, I thought still, I can bring it home, I, c I can do it, and then <laughs> next information was 30 seconds, <laughs> oh my god, and then I knew, I mean, I know Leander, she's, she's a great bird, and if she wants getting really close to you, she she's not letting you go, and uh, she had an awesome race, and uh, she's, a, she's a good winner. I missed the moment that she passed you. Did you hold for for a bit? Yeah, I, <laughs> I tried to hold on uh, last year at Chrissy, but <laughs> I'd not gone maybe two seconds and then I got dropped. So this year tried tried it again and it was maybe one or two minutes and then I realised it's just a little bit too, too, too fast. Well, congratulations today. I know it's not the result you want, but you know I get the feeling you're definitely going to win a few of these over the, in the years coming forward. So, congratulations, mate, and it's great to see you've got a smile on your face. Great attitude. Thanks. Andreas, uh, well done today, mate. That was uh, a very challenging day for you today. Tell us what happened. Did you look to pick up the wrong bag in transition? No, I didn't pick up the, the wrong bag. I just had a bad performance in Zoom. I don't know. It happened the first time, but that's racing. You have to handle it, and uh, um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm really proud that I that I made it after after such a bad performance on the swim. But I just can complain on myself. Well, so, so tell us about your day because you came out obviously didn't have a good swim. You're well behind on the bike than where you normally would be. You know we were shocked that you went with the main kind of pack, and you know you obviously chased hard. Tell us tell us from the ride and the run. Uh, to be honest, if when I started the the, the the bike, almost four minutes behind the, the best guys, I just thought oh, maybe Mikey has a way better day. And so I started to, to, to pay, uh, to, 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 to passion myself, you know, to pace myself and just to see how Mikey goes. And then I saw that Mikey struggled on the bike a bit. And when I passed him, I said, oh, it's maybe my turn this year. <laughs> so, and then I, yeah, start, okay, stay focused and try as hard as you can. And when I, got off the bike I almost had 30 minutes 40 minutes on Marino I mean it was an outstanding performance on the bike but when it's so hot here then uh, you, you never know what's going to happen on the run so I mean it sounds pretty simple but the race is over when it's over crossing the finish line and uh, uh, when I came out of the energy lap in second place four minutes behind Pete I just thought I was feeling all right 11 kilometers to go 45 minutes the, the Maybe there's something possible, uh, but five kilometers later, I just hit the wall and was struggling so badly. And uh, I think I never had such a hard finish with Freddy van Leer. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm finished second. I didn't lose the first place. I won the second place, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that it turned out that good today. You know, you've you've had three really tough races here. You know, obviously the Mecca, and then last year was a pretty tough race for you as well. And how does this one get in comparison? You know, because you, you must have dug so deep today. How is this compared to the other races you've done? Um, to be honest, uh, I'm, all the four races I have done, including this one, uh, I tried my best. I had a really good performance uh, that I gave everything I had. And I'm feeling really good because uh, if you train all year long just for this race and uh, when the performance is like this, then you're really happy. And that sport, there's always somebody out there who's just better. And yeah, the last four years, yeah, including this one, the RC guys are just better. But yeah, you'll be back, mate. You'll be back. No, no. Hey, well, congratulations, mate. You really showed really, really great character today and really represented the sport, what we're all about. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, congratulations to the Aussie guys. <laughs> <laughs>
he's talked about retiring recently and uh, look, like he's finished the race and he looks like he's retired because he's got his legs up on the table and uh, he looks pretty relaxed now. But uh, tell us about your day, Rasmus Henning. Tell us about your day, mate. Oh, um, I don't know. For some reason, it just doesn't seem that the, that Kona and Rasmus Henning are truly compatible. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my, my swim was fine. Uh, we hung on to Potsy a bit longer than, than usual, I think. I was in third position out in the first K or so. Uh, so that was, that was pretty good. Then, then I think it was Marco, was it, that was with him? Yeah. It looked like it. And, uh, and they, they pulled away. But, but I was out up pretty much sort of close to the front of that pack. So that was fine. And then I actually felt the best I can recall having ever felt early on the bike. Like I had no... No, no problem sitting out there with with the guys um, early on, and um, then I was uh, unlucky to get a drafting penalty out by Kawhi High, more or less. Um, it was it was probably legit at the time. It was one of those cases where I was riding at the right distance, and then it was just at the bottom of a hill. And I didn't have my head up, so I, so I just you know caught up a couple of meters on uh, I think it was Luke Bell who was in front of me, and then the ref was right there. So um, it's it's a it's it's a pain in the butt, but um, but it was I was certainly too close at that point, so it's nothing to say about it. But uh, so I served that out in Javi, uh, which was a bummer because I was feeling good and I was I was up there, not not too far behind the the, the first guys. Um, then I, I got out of uh, of the penalty box just as uh, Ronnie Schildknecht and Andy Boucher had passed. So so I so I jumped onto them and 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 the three of us actually worked pretty well together. Uh, we caught Andy Potts on the way as well, who sort of joined in and and took some massive pulls in front. So I'm I'm actually pretty happy with my with my ride. And then on the on the run, it was always my uh, my plan to 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 go out. Uh, easier than I have the other times. Like I, I didn't, I didn't really believe that I had it in me to to go for a podium this year. Um, I, my, my 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 training just hasn't been up for that. So uh, so I was sort of being much more conservative and and instead of going out at you know three fifty to four minute case on Elihi, I would go between four minutes and four ten, uh, and it, it felt pretty good. I let let a couple of guys run past me and uh, and then when between 10 and 22k or so, I was actually going really good. I, I, I caught Runny and passed him. I caught Crowey and passed him. It was quite quite legendary, and I have to thank him about that. I was running with him for a little bit, and he was really encouraging me, and he took my hand and he said, it's an honor running with you in your last race, and that was that was a great thing to hear from a big uh, champion like like Crowey. Um, but then, not too, not too long after that, I, I, I started fading anyway. I don't know what it is. Uh, it was feeling so good. And then within just one or two Ks out there on Queen K, suddenly I, I was just going from running, you know, four minutes per K to, to running, you know, 4.30, 4.40. And, uh, you know, being passed again by a few of these guys. And, and then it was, it was, you know, more or less struggling the whole way home. Uh, it was emotional crossing the finish line. Um, and it was also great actually hearing the support from uh, both the spectators but also the the athletes out there uh, you know some of the pros that actually had a little bit of spare energy but certainly a lot of the age troopers out there they went Rasmus bring it on home in your last race and everything and I, I really appreciate that and that made it quite special for me today. 
It seemed um, there was a bit of drama out on the course. You know, you, you mentioned you had a, a drafting penalty. We saw a number of the girls seem to be getting penalties out there. Tell us a bit about. Did it did it seem like they were being a bit more stringent this year? And also, what were the conditions like on the bike? The conditions were pretty rough. Like there was a lot of wind out there, and and it didn't seem that we had it on our tail too much, uh, except for coming down from Harvey, uh, where we were going <laughs> ridiculously fast anyway. But uh, it was actually a lot of gusts, so it was. Uh, I mean, you needed to hang on to your to your, your bike for for a lot of the time out there, and and we had a reasonable amount of headwind, I'd say, both on the way out and also on the way back in. Um, it didn't seem like really fast conditions, but then on the other hand, it was uh, it was a bit overcast. Uh, you know, I think probably probably most of the time actually. Uh, so it didn't get uh, you know too hot out there. I mean, it's it's always hot in this place, but it's it's not uh, as bad as it as it could have been. Last race, uh, you see a bit emotional coming over the finish line. You, what is it like? You know, like it's being you've been an athlete for such a long period of life. It's it's a, f- a funny time, interesting time, and uh, what do you look forward to doing now? Yeah, it is. It is very special. It's uh, it's always, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, uncertain uh, how you're going to feel about uh, making a jump like that in your life. I've been, I've been an athlete for 25 years uh, since I was 11 years old. That's when I started swimming. You know, pretty much every day, having uh, meets. You know, every other weekend, and you know, everything else sort of surrounding around sports. So it's been going on for 25 years, which is such a long time in any person's life and and um, I really look forward to uh, being at home more being more around my family I look forward to having you know weekends where we don't have to plan around my training and if we go somewhere we don't need to bring a bike or a pair of running shoes and you know drop me off halfway and let me run home and stuff like that which is it's been like you know for all the time I've known my wife and and my kids have always been been used to that but never liking it so I look forward to, to being able to to just give them um, the attention that they really deserve. Well mate it's been, been an honour to, to work for you over the last few years and uh, good luck to your future and I'm sure we'll see and hear you around at some stage mate, thanks for your time You're very welcome, thank you Hey Dirk mate, well at uh, the beginning of this week we, we had a bit of a yarn to you and it was obviously uh, you were presented with a challenge that you really didn't want to be presented with but it seemed like you are doing alright today, well, tell us about your day yeah, well, it started out terrible. I mean, the swim, I think it was two minutes behind the group. I was swimming by myself. I, I lost the, the, the splint that I was w- wearing, and I stopped twice, and I guess it was pretty much the worst-case scenario in the swim. But, I mean, still, to be realistic, swimming with a broken hand is pretty... It's, it's, it's tough to do in general, so I'm, I'm happy. And yeah, well, How was the hand? Was it pretty painful when you were swimming? Of course, it's painful. The whole day was a nightmare because of it, but... The worst was actually the first bottle that I tried to grab on the bike. I mean, I, I was just, I was, it's, I really had to slow down for the second time because it just hurt so much. But, um, you know, the bike, I had to really push hard to get back to the group. And then once I was in the group, I had to wait till I had a gap so I can pass. And it basically started going up heavy where I was able to make up some ground and then it was a very small group in front and I was riding really good. I think I had the third fastest bike. So that that's really good and I mean obviously the track bike is pretty fast so I'm very happy with that. Excuse me. But um, the run, I don't know, after after six miles I was somehow out of energy. I don't know why. I mean it was definitely not overpacing on the bike. I had probably 20 watts less than last year. But 
I don't know. I mean, so many people were struggling today, but obviously nine people were faster. So my 10th place is, is the minimum that I can be happy with. I mean, the top 10 is still okay, but I came here for a different result, so I'm not that stoked. But uh, having the difficulties... I wanted to drop out after 10k. I kept walking, running, walking, running. I, I never had that before. I never walked in a, in a marathon, and uh, it's a crappy feeling, you know. When the, my coach was out there, so many people were cheering for me, and that was the only reason why I actually finished. And um, and then at the end, you know, the last 3k, I had just a minute in front of uh, Bert, the, the Belgium guy, and he's a very, very good runner. And I was sprinting. I, oh, it was. It was the, the, the fastest finish though, with a crappy run, but I really, really had to dig very deep to, because 11th place I would sit here, you know, crying, and now 10th place is it's acceptable. So, did you manage to get all your nutrition in? You know, because it would have been it was obviously challenging getting the bottles, but but was that part of the problem on the run? It could be. I mean, I uh, mostly what I was able is, is grabbing water, and there's not much nutrition in it, so I got probably three or four bottles but it, it's simply not enough and but it's too painful I cannot slow down you know and, and grab a bottle if you accumulate that over 180k then I I lose too much time so I I just grab whatever was possible and maybe it was not enough but I can't really think straight so I can't really give you the analysis yet but uh, I'm happy I finished that's really I mean I never struggled in my life so much not to finish and so I'm proud of myself for just just making it. So thanks to the people that cheered me on. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you obviously were presented a very challenging week this week, and I think in some ways you got to take something away from that. Well, you know, it's, it's Ironman is about overcoming obstacles, and you know, ten days ago, or I don't know, eight days ago when it happened, I wasn't even sure if I can I can race. You know, and and then days before, you know, I still struggled to find something that that stabilizes my hand and. You know, I had to ask for acceptance if that's okay. And if they would have said no, I, I couldn't have raced because my, my, my whole, you know, the fourth finger is totally numb. It doesn't even work. And so Jimmy gave me the okay to race. And, uh, you know, but even with that, you know, I mean, people are saying, oh, you race with a paddle because I, I cut down a paddle. But, uh, you, you know, being second out of the water before and now two minutes behind the group, I guess that's answer enough. So... It was it was a big big obstacle to overcome and uh, that's why I'm just proud of myself to to do that. But the result is just average, so got to come back and rock the boat. I'm sure you will, mate. Hey, thanks for your time. Thank you. We we went on Facebook and we said, you know, said, are you guys enjoying the coverage and what are you enjoying about it? And they said the Leoto boys rock. So oh. so you must have been doing something right, mate. Oh, awesome. No, I didn't know that. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, it's not easy to sit out and watch the race and then let let alone commentate on it by just watching a TV screen. Uh, you know, I enjoy being out on the course much more and uh, I had a chance to get out on the course on the run and had lots of info and just was relaying that in to, uh, as far as to Matt so he would he would go ahead and uh, relay that out to everybody else. So it's a little bit of teamwork. When you come into a job like this, you know, obviously you're normally racing, you're a competitor, you're out there, but the today, you know, you've come in for a different role. What do you want to get across in this role? What, what do you think is important as a commentator on the race? Uh, I think things for me that I see as important is being accurate in what the results are happening and where, where positions are and doing the best that we can to make sure that when we say someone's at a X amount of place or someone's in the lead or someone's in fifth or someone's hurting or whatever, but then also, also trying to give perspective 
by seeing what someone looks like, by looking at like Andy when he was running Raylert uh, at mile 24, or actually from mile 18 to mile 26.2, he had this grimace on his face the whole time, and you don't necessarily see that on the screen, but to to be able to see that and then get that across to everybody, or to give technical pieces to bring people to knowledge of what's going on, you know, like. You know, I'm known sometimes to hold hold some secrets on the bike and and not let things out. And and when I commentate, I like to let certain things out or give as far as perspective from what I've seen in the past. And because uh, so many people don't get what it's really like to be out there. And so if I can bring them to that a little bit and explain in detail, ho ho hopefully they get a better perspective of how how difficult it is. Like today shows. Everyone suffered out there, you know. It was so spread out, and even the best of the best that have never had bad races, they they too can have a bad race, you know. And it's not even that bad of a race, you know. Crowey finished 11th, and uh, in in a lot of people's eyes, they would look at it and go, "That was a really bad race." Uh, but it but it was. It just shows how hard this thing is, you know. Ironman's no joke. You saw Marino coming off the bike with eight minute lead. Um, you can probably empathise with the position he was in. D did you think that was enough for him? Yeah, I mean, Marino's known to, to run really well. Um, and uh, you never know, especially when you're talking about it and watching what's happening, you don't really know, like, how hard they're really going or how fast they're really going. And uh, I knew he was riding well. I knew he was really fit just based on uh, some, some of his training in the, in the last week or so. And when I saw him come off, I was like, all right, the guy can run well. Um, Pete Jacobs is eight, eight minutes back. Pete can run faster than he can, but not that much faster, you know. So I thought it, I thought it would be close. But what a lot of people don't get is um, when you race the race by yourself and you put the effort out uh, based upon like you saw the bike really spread out. So everybody out there was basically riding on their own effort and it showed in the run. You know, no one really had crazy fast runs. You know, uh, Andy um, Raylor, he dug crazy deep and ran a 246, which is phenomenal. But he was in the massive hurt, hurt box. Pete Jacobs ran a 248. And uh, I'm sure he was hurting, but he, he had it within his, in himself, you know? And so he didn't have to kill him. And Marino, he risked it and put it out there going, okay, a few years past, I've always been third or fourth or whatever, you know, always in the mix and very close to, you know, breaking it. And he was actually my, my pick. You know, he was one of the guys out of four guys that I said, I think he has a really good chance to win. And he put it out there to risk it. And when you ride like that and you're by yourself majority of the day, um, it can crack you. And uh, he cracked at the top of the lab, and I saw him pull over and ask for coke, and he wasn't very coherent, was kind of out of it. And so he cracked and cracked really hard, where Crowey cracked in the beginning and regained, and, and uh, Andy cracked and dug deep and finished, and he was like, I've never cracked so hard in my life, but he still got it across, you know? And so everyone cracked at certain places because of how difficult it is out there. And Ironman, like I said, it's... It's a crazy sport that uh, takes a lot out of you, and um, you can't expect athletes that are phenomenal runners to run as they train in an Ironman. You know, like you're out there, and I was watching him at mile 18, going, "None of these guys train at the pace that they're running right now. They all train faster, and they're all they all have the ability to run way faster than they're running. And when I race, I always had the ability to run faster than a three-hour marathon by quite a bit. But when you do the whole thing and put it all at once, it's pretty dang hard to do it, and once in a while you crack it and you have a great race, and it and it and it comes out smooth. And and Pete had a great, a perfect race for him today, man. It was phenomenal. One thing um, we've seen a lot of this week is more than sport, which is obviously um, you're involved in. Can you tell us a bit? It's your beast, isn't it? Yeah, tell us a bit more about that because we see the brand around a lot. I know it's not really a brand, but 
the, the logos and stuff, but sometimes people don't really know how they can support it. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, More Than Sport is uh, a charity that I, I have been involved with or I actually created a few years ago and, and have had a heart to give back in my whole career. And just being uh, having a chance this year since I've been hurt a little bit to spend a little bit more time in it. And it's really just creating a, a movement, hopefully in triathlon and then growing to all sport, where we just start to change our, our, our mindset on, on why we race and what we race for. You know, especially in triathlon, it's going to be so focused on yourself and and uh, we search to set these crazy goals for ourselves which is awesome you know if, if it's in if it's in racing or career or family it's important to push ourselves to excel and be excellent in what we do but don't find um, your fulfillment and don't find your identity in your results you know like Craig Alexander is a champion today he wasn't a champion on paper but he's a still a champion to his family. He's still a champion to his kids, and he's a champion to what he does. He what he does for those around in need, like with with Kids Foundation. You know, uh, Tim O'Donnell, the newer guy in the sport, same thing. He's a champion in what he does and what he cares about for uh, military in the U.S. and the trials that they've had. So it's just about just raising awareness of what the needs are in the communities that in the communities that we race in to raise awareness for it, raise raise finances to support those things. And just as we race and as we travel to these amazing places to do triathlon, just to be aware of what's around, you know, and so we, we want to spearhead that. Um, you can go to morethansport.org. That's uh, morethansport.org. Uh, you can see more about it. You can donate on there, which will support uh, our global initiative to where we want to give back to the places that we go in and find out what events we're racing in and, and where we're going. But everyone can race for more than sport because it's not a Chris Lieto thing. You know, it's, 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 it's a thing for all of us to get involved in in any way that you want to do it. You know, if you're racing a 5K run race, you can race for more than sport. You don't have to wear a more than sport brand name. You can do it with that mindset of more than sport and just spread that word going, hey, I'm racing for more than sport and I'm doing it for my family or I'm doing it for a kid I know that has cancer or I'm doing it for the homeless or whatever it may be. But just creating that talk and that, and that mentality so hopefully we can change uh, the way media looks at what we do and, and what athletes do, that we are athletes that, that strive to be excellent and to be champions, but also to look around and see what else is in need. Go with me, because it's, it's, you know, Lance's is a topic right now, and, and the emphasis on the winners are the only thing, and it's a really good message to get out there, and good work, keep it up, mate. Thanks for your time. Give, you, give your voice a rest, because it's been, probably been going all day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good work, mate. Well done. Yeah. Okay, John, well, we've just arrived here at uh, the bike setup area, where a uh, bike transition from swimming to bike, and you've got all the athletes lying around, and it's, there's always that eerie feeling before an Ironman, kind of the calm you hear, Mike Riley talking off in the background, a little bit of music, and lots of serious faces around, isn't there? You're, you're, you're very uh, calm this morning, Vivian. You got your, happens once a year, John. You got your radio voice on. I haven't seen anybody lying around yet, but um, we've got the over here on the pier. We've got a little the corner sort of partitions off the pro athletes. Most of them have disappeared now. I think it's about 5:45, so they've got about 45 minutes till they start. Had the call for Rennie Marina Carfrey there for 105 pressure on her tyres. You'll hear a bit later from uh, Matt Steinmetz, her coach, as to as to why that pressure's as it is. Um, Last two years we've been here, the conditions have been really calm down on down on the pier, and we've we've always wondered what it's going to be like out there on the day. But when we look over today at sort of the the transition tents, the waves, the the uh, the flags are already blowing pretty decently. So if it's windy in town, I dare say it's going to be pretty windy out there on the bike. Yeah, and uh, also you know, some people are commenting that there's not many clouds over the volcano, which means 
technically or it could be a very hot day as well so hopefully you know like it's been so many years since we've seen a hard day at Kona you know like a really tough day and you know we're all, all the boys were sitting around last night talking about you know the years we've done it and uh, 2004 seems to be the last time we had a really tough day and and I think with the feel we've got today a tough day would just make the race even more interesting wouldn't it? It would, you know, we, well for me from a spectator's point of view, I want to see the bike being split up and I want to see the runners being put in a position where they're going to have to chase and you're going to have the, the guys out the front and they're going to have to chase down. You know, I'd love to see um, you know, a five minute gap in those front groups um, and, and, and the runners having to, to do some serious work and ha- having some of the, the, the good runners but not necessarily the quite the exceptional ones. Guys like maybe like Marino, who's, he's a really fast runner but probably not quite like a, a 240 sort of guy like Crowey. And if he's got, you know, five minutes, three, four, five minutes up the road, oh, it's going to be fascinating. And the girls' race, you know, I think if it's if it's windy conditions, I think it's going to play into Caroline Stephens' hands because she is is the dominant force on the bike. She's such a strong-looking woman. We're just commenting. She was sitting up her bike before, and, you know, she, she's got... Not your traditional um, Iron Man or Iron Female uh, competitor kind of physique, isn't it? Upper body is very strong, isn't it? Massive upper body, yeah. yeah, and that comes obviously from a swimming background. But then you look at others like Joycey, and uh, she's you know more of the sort of pocket rocket, but can still swim very, very well. But yeah, there's a reason why they call her Xena. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mess with it. Anyway, we've got Nick Rose coming over, so I might go from Nick. Sure. Okay, we've got Matt Stein, Matt Series. Uh, got a few athletes here today. Uh, you're telling Brinny your uh, the tire pressure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She's running 105. Yeah, she's got the new uh, Zip Firecrest 650 carbon clinchers and kind of spreads the uh, the tire out a little bit and gives it a little bit more uh, air volume. So you can run like 80 or 90 in there. When you give it the old pinch test, it still feels like there's quite a bit of uh, pressure in there. Kind of like a mountain bike. So what's the difference when you're setting up someone like um, you know, a smaller girl like Rennie versus versus Crowey, tyre pressures and maybe tyre selections? So Crowey's running, um, well first off, Rennie's running clinchers just because when you try to carry a spare or something on her bike, when you try to, when the bike's so small you try to take a big tubular and put it on there, it just it kills it aerodynamically. Crowey's running about 110 PSI, I think in the past. You know, everyone was always pumping up these, you know, tires to 140, so they just felt rock solid. But running a lower tire pressure actually um, decreases rolling resistance and allows the tire to, you know, kind of conform around um, deformities in the road versus kind of traveling up and over them. So it inc- it's it's faster, basically. Matt, you know, like, you, you know, last year for you as a coach, Crowey's ride and performance was obviously just pretty phenomenal. Um, this year you've taken on Rennie, who's traditionally known as a, as a swim runner. Um, well, particularly an amazing runner. So, um, what's it like knowing that you've taken on an athlete whose bike is, you know, but you know needs to be improved, and you know your your responsibility is to to improve that. I think it's easier to to make someone better on a bike, especially when I mean, if I looked at Rennie, I, I look at her and I was like, man, I would do X, Y, and Z to her. So it's pretty easy to implement those things. Um, you know, a little bit of the unknown is we just don't know how it's going to translate over on to race day here. I think with Craig last year, you know, all the work that he had done the previous few years kind of came, you know, forth on that day. So with Rennie, I mean, it could take some time. We don't know. Um, she could just blitz the bike course this year. 
but you know it's it's good you know she's willing to change and and i think that you know it's it's free speed you know i've told her now that you know we're not there's no different strategy every time you've every year you've came here you've had a great race you've executed so i think you know just implementing the things that we had worked on um is going to make her faster she doesn't have to particularly sit there and be like okay i'm, I'm riding the bike harder this year she just does what she always has and hopefully she's faster you know you, you definitely got an analytical guy how, how much time do you spend testing someone like rinnie um you know we didn't go to the wind tunnel this year uh, we were going to but just it got kind of late in the game um she'd she'd gone in 2010 so I, you know her uh, with her bike sponsor um felt and so i communicate with jim felt a lot with what worked you know with her and that and we've kind of just you know took what they learned that time and now we've kind of implemented them now that she's more willing to change and you know kind of stuff with the front end the posture ducking the head riding rollers a little bit better it's it's like really trying to maintain the speed versus um you know necessarily these big high watt power numbers because it's been funny because when you know she's using a power meter now and seeing these low watt numbers because she's so i mean she's like 52 you know kilos is how much she weighs so trying to translate that you know she's like yeah i did 180 watts and even to her you know i mean it's like always like 180 to 200 watts and to her you know you, we're used to hearing these big like you know 300 you know power numbers and she's going f over 40k an hour at that power so that's the kind of stuff we're looking at is more velocity and and um just why we learn more about her using the power meter but is it, is it a danger for a lot of athletes out there, you know, because it does seem that power is the new measure, if you know what I mean, and, and you know, bigger seems better in life, doesn't it? Well, that's the philosophy a lot of people go by. So is there, is there a bit of a lesson in that for a lot of maybe the people listening right now? I just think that, you know, power is great for your training, and, you know, for all the age groupers out there, I think power is excellent because, you know, race day is not magic. You're not going to all of a sudden be able to put out 30 more watts than you ever had during your long training rides. Um, with the pro race, the men are kind of, they have it on there more for post-race analysis or if something's, you know, someone's trying to break away, they can kind of, you know, I, I talked to Crowley and I was like, if something stupid's going on, I was like, you can know it's stupid just by looking down at your power meter and say, hey, this is not sustainable for someone to do this. But for an age grouper, the, you know, you know, it's, it's always like throughout an Ironman, you're always just like, okay, how do I feel? Is my nutrition on there? You know, is my power under control am I sticking to my race you know my race plan because you know the power meter is objective you know the way the way you're feeling and all the other things are you know it's perception so you want to use everything you know you don't want to be like you know glued to your power meter but I think it just gives you a really good analysis and objective feedback. Obviously over here it's um, can be incredibly windy you know reports are the last few days have been very windy I don't there's a bit of breeze here which we haven't had in the last couple of years, so it might be windy out there. What are you generally advising the guys in the wind in terms of staying as fast as they can? A lot of it, you know, we drove in here this morning. You, you could see the you could see the stars in the sky, and even looking up uh, towards the volcano, you could still see. So I think it's going to be hot, and I think it's going to be windy. Um, Good stuff. <laughs> a, a, a lot of it is, you know, again, it's like the power meter, and because you feel like you're creeping, you look down. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm at my power. It's stuff like, you know, manipulating your body. Your body's the, you know, makes up about roughly 80% of the drag, you know. So, you know, working on your posture to try to decrease that based on where the wind's coming, you know, ducking your head down, maybe even turning, you know, dropping one shoulder down. It's hard, you know, because it's a 180K and trying to hold, you know, certain postures may, you know, kind of tense you up a little bit once you start the run. So you got to be careful with it, but you just got to try to minimize the resistive forces. My, my final question is just, you know, going down the Queen K here, there's quite a few rollers that you can, 
you can easily get over on your aero bars. What are the, what are these guys generally doing on those? Are they staying aero on the on the rollers, or are they getting out of their seat and, and sort of punching over them a bit? I'd like them to stay in their aero bars. Um, one thing that you know, like especially with Rennie, because that's something that she struggled with because she's always riding a big gear. She'd kind of hit a roller, and she's like, "Well, I can't really turn this gear anymore." And so she would just stand up and just you know power spike over it. Really, I like an athlete to kind of just roll into it, try to main sp- maintain speed as long as I can in the aero position and tick through the gears until they feel like, okay, I'm about to start torquing. And then you can stand up and just kind of power over and, and, and get your speed back, you know, once you crest the, crest the peak of that and get your speed back up. And then it's almost a little bit of recovery. You know, you get, you get aero. How much do you love post-race actually looking at all the analysis, you know, because you you'd like to geek out, you know, like for you – post-race how much of it do you just love sitting down and analyzing this stuff i like it especially for because like what you do in a race is like what you're you know it's it's like i don't care about like you know physiology testing and stuff's great but it's like if i have a have a race file where an athlete you know half ironman ironman olympic distance where they had a great race i use that i use that for further you know like i talk to the athlete and like do half ironman pace efforts and so then they're like, okay, well, my half Ironman pace is, you know, I rode this an X amount of watts, so that's what I, you know, I, I kind of go out. So, you know, a course like this is cool because you can kind of look and see, hey, this is where you went wrong. This is where you need to be more patient. I like it. Just lastly, you know, like this race in itself for an age group is sure, you, you know, controlled race, all the rest of it. But for the pros, they're responding to the field. And so is it really just about controlling when they're going too far to the edge? Um, I don't, I don't understand what you said. So, like, like for the like the pros and stuff, you know, like sometimes they've got to take a risk in the race and on the ride, you know, because maybe someone's getting too far ahead. So, for the, for the age group athletes, I, I'm I'm coaching a few age groupers here. I always tell them, I was like, be the smartest person on the course. I was like, just think in your head, what what are you doing that's stupid? <laughs> Basically, I'm like, you're you're never taking a risk. I was like, don't let it. You know, the day is going to get hard. Don't make it hard early. I was like, just stick to what you're what you're doing. If if you feel like you didn't go hard enough, you know, blitz the last you know, 10k. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks for your time and good luck with your athletes today, mate. Good have you day, man. So we've got Nick, the Admiral Nose Rose. You see what I did there? I did all of them, mate. Race morning, you got your you got your pirate top on. How are you feeling, mate? Uh, not too bad at all. Yep. Have a good sleep. Yeah, plenty of sleep. Uh, I don't mind sleep for me on the night before is not a problem. Really? So, so do you, are you a nervous character? Like, what's what's this experience like for you right in this moment now? Um, I pretty much go through everything uh, in detail, but nervous, no. Excited, yeah. But then the swim—it's all about just relaxing in the swim, as the man knows. So, where are you going to position yourself on the start, and, and what have you experienced here uh, in the past in the swim versus, say, you know, your standard Ironmans where the standard is not quite as high? Um, far left on the swim far left as I can get. Um, last time I did that, I ended up on the right-hand side somehow. Don't know how it managed. I think I got moved across by the boats. So for the first 300 metres, I thought it was the easiest swim in the world. And then I got the living crap kicked out of me for the next K and a half. But I'm still going to go left. I'm going to try and break into it. Now, it is a bun fight, and I'm not, a, I'm not the top swimmer. I maybe get out in under 110, I'll be happy. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's 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 different over here. I mean, you see uh, one ten here. What what do you swim normally in, in like a wetsuit uh, race? One oh one, one oh two. It's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> kills, kills your overall time, doesn't it? <laughs> that kills the sub ten. No, it, you know, you're getting out. You're losing ten minutes already. So for you, is this is this a, a, the A race? Uh, yeah, definitely. 
I've tried to come down after UK, it was only about 10 weeks ago, tried to come down and then come back up again, but it's always been focused this year. Oh, well, you've got the family out there this year, so a little added pressure and, and, and a little added motivation, I'm sure, when you see them out on the course. So hey, We'll see you at the finish line. Good luck, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. So, so we're still down at the bike uh, transition area as people kind of, you know, what's happening there, John? Is that a toilet, is it? I think it is. There's a big queue for the toilet, but that's understandable. But, John, I suppose the question, you know, that, that maybe some people who haven't done Ironman who are listening to this, what, what, are, what are the athletes' mind going through right now, you know, half an hour, an hour before the race as they're coming in, setting up their bike and stuff? I don't think it's massively different to any other race, but everybody's different. You know, as we had uh, Nick Nose Rose there, he was saying he's excited. Other guys who maybe haven't been here before are probably absolutely crapping themselves. So I think it's going to vary a lot depending on if they're here for the, the honeymoon trip. You know, they've done their Ironman and this is this is sort of the celebration of the year and they've, they've made it. Or for the, the top end guys, you know, a bit more pressure if they want to get on the podium. Be interested to see if we see Albert, ask him how he's feeling. He's always pretty relaxed. Saw... Um, Juan Carlos just walked past and we talked to him on the boat. He's, he was the guy that uh, had three cancelled races, or can, you know, shortened or cancelled races, and he finally got to do Melbourne and qualified there, and he was just rolling his bike out of transition with a puncher by the look of it. So, so hopefully he's okay. The roll continues. And so I suppose as a coach, what do you tell, some, you know, how do you tell someone to kind of, what, they, what do they need to do this morning? Well, I think a big part of it is having a plan. Um, a lot of guys come into race day and they've sort of, loosely plan things out in their head um, but they haven't addressed the things that they're, they're, worried, they're most worried about so you know if you're crapping yourself about the swim if you've got concerns there you know having a really good think about that and actually getting something down on paper as to what's worrying you you know how you're going to deal with that on the day um, and, and coming up with some solutions so then when you come down to transition and if you start crapping yourself about that particular scenario coming up then you go right I remember now I'm going to do XYZ and so hopefully things are going to calm down also having that plan you know you know getting yourself a time schedule you're not going to be running around like a headless chicken on race morning thinking holy crap I've got to do this this and this if you put it all down on paper just go through the processes on the day you'll uh, hopefully be a bit more chilled out and and it's good to be nervous you know nerves are good but you want to you know have controlled nerves yeah nerves that aren't destructive eh? yeah and I think the thing is that a lot of that as John says comes down to post planning before race day doesn't it so yeah all about the peas all about the peas I think we've got a listener here. Who have we got here? Who's this? Kevin Conchak, Boulder, Colorado. Nice. Come on in, mate. Come on in. You guys from Australia? New Zealand. Oh, sorry. 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 Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You, you, yeah. You Canadians yeah. are so funny. I'm not, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're funny. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm kind of surrounded by a bunch of the top guys in my neighborhood. I got three blocks to the west of my house is uh, Craig Alexander, and then three blocks to the... Uh, East, uh, southeast is Tim O'Donnell and Miranda Carfrey. Joanna Zeiger lives four blocks away, and Joe Gambles has been living over there in the Four Mile Creek area too. So I see these guys going by my house all the time. It's, it's just that I work nights, so I don't get to see them the other, you know, too much outside of that. But they kind of train real early in the morning, all of them. So, but I see, you know, see uh, Craig and uh, uh, Miranda motor pacing with Matt Steinmetz, uh, their coach. So. It must be a, a bit of a humbling place to live, you know, some people probably think they're the local rock star in their little town, you go to Boulder and you're just, you're probably nobody, even if, even though you're a qualifier. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, you know, I saw uh, Tom Danielson in the bike shop and it's just like, these are guys I see all the time, and so it's not, a, you know, I'm not starstruck or anything like that, but I've got, you know, pretty good friends with, you know, uh, like uh, Tim DeBoom's uh, older brother, Todd, 
and uh, you know have had them over for dinner and stuff like you know their kids our kids play together and stuff so it's a great great group of people so who, who are you picking for the boys and girls race <sighs> that is a toss-up between you know maca talks a good talk but you know craig speaks with his feet so uh you know and there's always the dark horses you know it's a toss-up so I, I i just you know i'm thinking that you know the uh the lack of uh racing i think uh on craig's part might uh be a benefit to him you can't always you know you can't discount uh you since you're from new zealand cam you know cam is is outstanding he's got a great record and kona he hasn't traditionally really been consistent um but you know he's always a dark horse so how are you feeling about some people are nervous some people are excited uh are you crapping yourself no no, <laughs> no not actually yeah no i've i've this is my 10th time um uh i've you know uh had one DNF here. Uh, came here with the flu one year, but no, it's not a, not a problem. You know, I've got a uh, guy here that I coach. He qualified in his first Ironman, so twenty five, twenty nine. So um, no, it's it's old hat. I just you know toe the line and go. Season pro, a eh? season pro. We've got someone else over here. What's your name, mate? Yeah, my name's Dan McCluskey from uh, California. I want to give a, a shout out to all my Kiwi friends down there and in, uh, in Talfo, the greatest race I think on the planet, and. Uh, I just uh, I just want to shout out to all every all the Kiwis. We'll uh, we'll be rooting for Cam today, and uh, I'm rooting for Cam Brown, and uh, I hope he can get up on the podium at least top three. And uh, I just love New Zealand, and uh, you guys uh, keep everyone uh, just sh shouting for uh, Cam. I've been down to to uh, New Zealand 2000, and, and then 05. I got two good years down there, and beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Talfo Waters and uh, just the, the crowds and the people down there. Best race, I think, on the planet. Maybe other than maybe, maybe Hawaii's up there with you, but, but uh, uh, you know, you guys keep it way cool down there. Uh, as you guys always say, good, well done. When you're even halfway through, I always remember, well done, well done. So I'll be thinking about that, well done as I go. And uh, just really uh, love you, uh, Kiwis down there. And I hope to be uh, back to say hello to all you guys. And uh, let's all root for Cam Brown today because he's a 10-time winner in, in uh, New Zealand, one of the greatest triathletes ambassadors for the sport. So uh, let's root for Cam today. You got, uh, you got the two-goggle approach there. You got, is that your, your spear, spear pair in case you have some problems? Can, can you repeat that real quick? You got the two, two, two pair of goggles there. Is that your uh, backup pair? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see uh, when I get in the water, I got a dark pair. And uh, if, if it looks too dark when I first put on the dark pair, I'll uh, toss them dark to the, the crowds and put on the blues for a little lighter shade to see the better, better to see the fish and uh, the feet in front of me. Yeah, have a good luck today, mate. Have, have a good day. Test, 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 test. So one of the other things you want to do when you come along to Hawaii, obviously a lot of you people want to get over here and do this race one day, and, and I imagine a few of you have actually done this race in the past, but it's uh, also one of those races which is pretty phenomenal to come along and watch, and we're sitting on the pier here, this year we're not going out on the boat, so we're having a different experience to what John and I usually have, we, uh, we normally head out on the boat and watch the, we couldn't really make that work this year, could we? No, no, I'm, I'm sitting here counting up the, all the paddleboarders, it's just phenomenal, I'm already up to 60 and they're still coming around the corner in front of us. Um, I don't know if they normally have this many at other races, but uh, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> Where's the swimmers? <laughs> but uh, the other thing that's really cool, and I'm sure all you guys have seen the photos before of you know the pier race morning, all the crowds around, and you just look around, you know, all around the pier, and it's just people everywhere, uh, you know, spectating, getting excited about the race in front of us, and it's a, it's, it's a pretty impressive place to be right now, isn't it? 
It is, and it is quite a spectator-friendly course, a bit like Ironman New Zealand, where you can, you know, you can lie on the side of the lake. Yeah, they don't really go off into the distance where you can't see them. You know, if you did walk along Elite Drive, there's a few different spots you can you can uh, can watch. But it is always interesting. I mean, yeah, we're looking straight down the course now, and they have the boats down at the very far turnaround, and that looks like an awfully long way. Yeah, so we're about how far out from where started? We're about 15, 20 minutes. We're uh, 15 minutes out from the men's start, and uh, did, did notice that if anybody's come here, you have the King Cam Hotel, um, which is basically the race site, and they have a little beach in front of that hotel, which is on around the corner from the pier, and did notice a few of the pros sort of warming up in that area, and then they'll swim all the way around the pier, and, uh, and then come up to the start line. Yeah, so it's all very exciting here. The crowd, uh, you probably can't hear it because we've got a good mic happening here today, but um, the crowd in the background making a lot of noise. Mike's starting to, to, to rack them up, and uh, we've got a great day in front of us, and it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens in this swim. So once the pros get out of the water, you tend to head down to Pilani uh, Road and uh, Hill. Pilani Hill, get it right. What's, what's the name of the road? Pilani. Yeah, well, it's Pilani, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... but uh, We've had a few of the top pros go by, and uh, any surprises, John? Not really. We, um, I guess uh, Mako was there with Marino. We, we probably don't want, to do, don't want to do too much of a commentary, but I think the interesting thing for the swim for us was the uh, age groupers uh, jumped the gun. It was, it was uh, called over the, the mic saying, go, 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 and then about 20 seconds later, the cannon went off. So. I think no. I think what happened was the age groupers were well ahead of the. Yeah. They were a good 15, 20 meters, weren't they? Yeah, and and the, and the commentators just said go, and the, the cannon. I think they were saying go back, and they took that as go. But we'll find out later on. But anyway, so when you're on the race day, it's all about for the spectator. It's pretty much a morning and afternoon event, isn't it? And in the morning, you've got to come along, watch the swim, head up Polani Hill, and uh, watch the cyclists go past. And right now, there's a cool little atmosphere. You've got all families and friends and uh, supporters here. We've got the top male pros coming out of the water, and it's just kind of a cool atmosphere, isn't it, John? Yeah, hot corner. Oh, and Nico Lanos had a shocking swim. Oh, man, he's normally a good swimmer. He's history. Uh, he's history. Yeah. But yeah, Hot Corner is basically about 200 metres into the ride. They do a little loop out of town um, and then go up Kuakini Highway um, and then they come back through town. So for the start of the ride, you do, from a spectator's point of view, you do get some really good footage um, watching them and also they go up Palani Hill a second time and then you, uh, you really get to see what's happened in the first sort of 5 to 10k of the bike. Uh, so it's, it's pretty good. But then, yep, as Bevan said, you don't see them again for another four hours. Yeah, but that's, that's the race, you know, and that's what we've got. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to head up Palani Hill and uh, we're going to go check out what's happening as the athletes head off on the ride. And, uh, yeah, it's all good times. One of the great things about Palani Hill is as a spectator, you know, obviously you've got the downward and upward, you know, direction of the road. But uh, it, it's really great because they've got a big middle section in the middle of the road there where it's grassy area, which is probably about four or five metres across. But you can kind of just go on both sides of the road and see what's happening in the race. And... So the men have just headed downhill, heading off in a different direction, and we'll probably see the girls coming downhill in about another four or five minutes. But as a spectator, it's just a great place to be in the race because you can kind of manoeuvre yourself all around in, in this early part of the ride where, you know, people are trying to get into this big pack. It's a really great place to see what's happening, isn't it, John? No, but bombing down the hill it was pretty impressive. Um, but also good for the spectators, a bit of shade. You yeah. get a bit of shade. So, yeah, they, 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 they do pop out of town probably for... I don't know, it probably takes them about six or seven minutes to do a little loop out past the swimming pool and then they loop back down Palani, up the Kuakini, 
back down the Kuakini and then they come back up Palani and uh, and then they're onto the Queen K and once they get onto the Queen K it's basically them and the aid stations I think there's very few spectator opportunities there you can go all the way up Palani and up along a, a high road and then you can drop down to a place called Waikolo which is about about 45-50k into the ride and then alternatively you can some people do go all the way out to the end of the Queen K at um, Kauai High but you know, it's pretty pretty hard. You know, you're getting a snapshot of them, and it's a, it's a pretty long, slow drive. Well, and the great thing about where we are right now is the pros have about a half an hour start on on the age group field. So you kind of come up here and you kind of sit around. There's a good atmosphere happening, and you check out what's happening with the male pros and then the female pros. And then not long after that, you start to see the top age group athletes come through, and and that will really occupy your time really for a good hour or so. So you know, in this morning stage where the race is still quite young, it's just a really good opportunity to get amongst it. You know, give some love to the age group support orders and uh, races and, and watch those pros fly by. And get your free bagels, of course, from the media room. We, those bagels were gold, I have to say. John made me a bagel. He was like my mother, actually. You looked after me, didn't you? Yeah, I had to tell him to hurry up and get out of there because we were going to miss the boys coming out of the swim. And, and I listened and we made it. So anyway, that's us on Palani Hill. So we'll be around. We'll try grabbing some a few interviews with a few of the listeners and uh, yeah, watch what's happening in the race. Uh, you guys obviously know who won by this stage, but definitely if you get to Hawaii, this is a pretty cool place to be. John, we don't want to talk about the race much, but based on the first hour of the race, our picks are going terrible, aren't they? They are. We've really put the mockers on poor old Andreas Rayler, you know? he is He's a good swimmer. He's a former ITU guy. Normally you'd expect him to be pretty much in the lead pack or very, very close to it. And he's more than three minutes down. Yeah, it's breaking our hearts. Craig Bennett's let me down as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Go the kills. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Years ago, John, I did a bit of yoga in my bedroom. Did you do a bit of yoga in your bedroom? Still do. Still do. <laughs> and it was with Steve Patapinian, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yoga. What was the name of that DVD? Uh, yoga for Endurance Athletes. Yeah, yeah. Was I in the bedroom when you did it? Multiple people in there. <laughs> did we have clothes on? Bouncing off the walls. <laughs> that arching back one was, yeah, that got me good. It was killing me. Hey, so, uh, so you're over here pretty much every year, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, probably the last 15 years. And so, and so you got athletes here? Yep, I got uh, 12 athletes racing. So, so for those, you know, for a lot of people, especially over in the States here, you, you're, you're a bit of a face that a lot of people will know. How would most people know you? Because obviously this is audio. How would most people know you from what you're doing? Um, probably mostly from swim coaching. Yep. And, um, yeah, mostly because I have a couple of uh, DVDs and books on swimming yep. and do seminars. Um one of the things I'm interested to see today is uh, Natasha Bodman, who I've worked with. She's racing. Yeah, yes, she did. Five years old. Yeah. I, I think that's unbelievable. I don't know how she's going to do, but it was a surprise to me. I just found out a few months ago. She gave me a call. And uh, 45 years old, racing in the pros. But there's only 30 pros because it's so hard to qualify now, right? Yeah, yeah. So who knows? Maybe she can and get... She did, she did a race not long ago, didn't she? She did quite well. She got second or third in South Africa, I think. So, and I think 14th at the 70.3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you've been around, you've come in 15 years. So, does it change or is it pretty much the same thing every year? Or, or do you see an evolution in what's happening here every year? Um, I imagine the uh, same thing you guys see. Uh, the athletes get a little more serious. <laughs> so, the whole, the whole atmosphere gets a, 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 you know, a little bit of the spirit of the race kind of goes away. But 
enough of it remains and uh, you know there's more a little more commercialism every year but it's like any sport that's growing I guess that's uh, it's par for the course but it's it's always exciting but yeah it seems to get a little bit more fanfare every year wouldn't you say yeah yeah totally what do you love about being here you know if you're coming back 50 every every year you know there must be something that draws you back um yeah I mean it's it's you know it's the world championships and you, you know all the best athletes in the world are here no matter what's going on if they have a qualification process or not um, also everything around the race like you guys are here all coaches I know for years that's what makes the whole trip worthwhile <laughs> absolutely yeah I mean the the networking uh, the, you go to the expo and there's no athletes there it's just all of us yeah. in the industry so it's kind of you know the, the place to uh, to talk to people and meet them maybe make some good deals for the following year for promotions or whatever so uh, and then I tie in a vacation so it's my annual vacation my wife comes over next week and we go uh, on a holiday if people want to check out what you're doing where do they go uh, they go into uh, your bedroom. <laughs> it's for a private yoga class. Uh, no, they can go to ttuniversity.com. And, uh, yeah, to all of your guys' listeners out there, uh, my Australian buddy, uh, Corey, is going to try and bring you guys to New York, and hopefully we'll have a really cool show there. Bring it on, mate. Hey, well, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Test, test. So on the lighter side of things, I'm pretty much calling everyone Pete Vrabusic. Go Pete Reversic, go Pete Reversic. I've called pretty much every guy for the last hour, Pete Reversic, and we actually passed him, didn't he? Yeah, he's just come past, been checked by a few, few girls, but I'm sure he'll ride up and he'll just do a nice city day. Yep, he'll get in 8.45 to 9 hours. Yep, I think so, I think you're right. It's no, no, he does, isn't it? Yep, there you go, Pete Reversic. John, we're, we're still on, uh, what's the name of this place? <laughs> Palani Hell. <laughs> I've got such a bad memory. We saw a flasher before. She was very entertaining. She's still got her top half down. So Bevan, Bevan's standing here in hope. No, I'm not, John. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, I, it was very funny. But anyway. She, she literally did get her, yeah. get her boobs out for a man coming past. And he was looking pretty happy. But more importantly, John, it's very interesting watching the evolution of helmets, isn't it? You know, like we've got your traditional aero helmet that you think about with the long spike at the back, kind of tight head. But this year we've seen a bit more of an evolution in what's happening in helmets. We've got the, we've got the, the Darth Vader that Joe Lorne was wearing. I don't know if Joe Lorne listens to the show, but that is, no joke, that is the ugliest helmet I've ever seen in my life. Would you wear it if it meant more speed? Debatable. I'd, I'd, I'd really be struggling with it. I really would. It looks so bad. We're also seeing a lot more of the no spike at the back helmets as well. You know, the, the low back helmet that we started to see at the Olympics, didn't we? The Brownlee, the Brownlee helmet, we call it. Yeah, so helmets are definitely changing a little bit, and it's the first time in a, in a while that we've had a change in helmets, isn't it? What number was that? Number 1940 was absolutely smoking it up, Palani. Anyway, we'll be back later on. Do you know the other thing I'm noticing as we go up Palani Hill, John? Is it most triflex look the same? They do, very hard to spot them. Lots of white helmets. There's definitely kind of a look, isn't there? And, and you know, that makes sense. But as you, when you're up Palani Hill, you're trying to see all the people you know. And John and I, fortunately, know quite a few people. And uh, But I'm struggling to tell people that I know. Are you? It's very difficult, very difficult, Bevan. We need a uh, we need a pad, you know, a timing mat just in front of us, so their names will pop up just as they come past. That's a good idea, mate. They should do that. I mean, if they did that down in a hot corner um, and had a big screen somewhere up here, it'd be wicked. Create a little mini mini grandstand somewhere, it'd be cool. Exactly. I think to to make the atmosphere a little bit better here, they could have speakers music all the way up here as well. 
They do. They have another hot corner up the top there. They've got um, speakers. They have speakers at the top and bottom. So, yeah. It's about the athletes, Bevan. Oh, well, but the athletes like the experience too, John. Just saying. Anyway, uh, we're going to keep on trying to find people we know, but we can't tell. I've got uh, Bob Bevan next to me. Mate. How you going? You've always got cool glasses, mate. Everything. Oh, thanks, man. It's, uh, it's Iron Man Day. It's awesome. Awesome Iron Man Day. So uh, what are you up to today? We're actually hanging around town, just watching a race, going from the start of the swim to the hot corner. Then we'll uh, we'll come back here a little while, go for a little swim, uh, get a little group, go for a, go for a swim while all these people are out on the bike ride. You know, you've been here since day one, really. How's it, how's it changing as it progresses and as it evolves year on year? Has has it pretty is the experience changing, or is it pretty much the same thing every year? You know, it's expanding every single year. I mean, this, these are the biggest crowds I've ever seen here. The hot corner is, is crazy. So just seeing the numbers of people who are spectating, and you know how it goes. They come and spectate year one, then they do a sprint, an Olympic, and five years from now, they're here doing the Ironman. So it's, it's that constant progression is, is great. And we need that because when I look at the, the stats and you start seeing the 45 to 49-year-old age division becoming bigger than the 35 to 39 in a race like this, it means we need to get more youngsters in the triathlon. So, and I think that it's an initiative for most of the race directors is to have kids' events because kids love it. It's the best sport in the world for kids. So I, I think there's huge growth across all platforms, more events than ever before, more excitement. It's the sexiest sport there is. Bob, you're one of those people who, who, who kind of, you, you're the person that likes everybody, you know, you get that feeling when, you, when you're around you. So who do you pick for the race? Well, I like Mac and Crowey. I, I just love the history. I like the fact the old guys have always been into Mark, Allen, and Dave Scott. So I like the fact that the old guys can still do it. And right now Crowey's in the lead and Mac is a minute back. So, you know, and those two guys, I think, with Pete Jacobs, are probably the three best runners up there. Um, and for the women, you know, I know everybody's sort of counting out Marinda, but she was only four minutes back coming up here, and she's supposedly riding better, and we know how she can run. And second first, second, three times here, you know she's, she's going to be there at the end of the day. Nice. Well, thanks for your time, mate. Anytime. Test, test, test. Okay, so next to me right now, I've got a guy called Mark Gagan, and he's a good listener of the show, which we always love as well. But he's, uh, he's, how many times have you done this race, mate? I've uh, done kind of seven times. Started in 2004 and finished in 2011. And, uh, and you're pulling away for a while now, but you're coming back and watching today. What's it like being here watching? Yeah, on the other side of the line, it, it feels pretty good. It's uh, actually, it's pretty nerve-wracking. There's, there's a lot of experiences that I hadn't really understood until you're on the other side of the line. So it's exciting, it's gut-wrenching, it's how do these guys do it? And sort of, well, last year I was doing it myself. So it, it's, it's a, a little tear in my eye that I'm not there, but um, I'm happy to be on this side at this point permanently. And last year, it was a pretty sensational day. You know, we were always barracking for, for the, the Boysonator Albert, and uh, you smoked the run last year. Tell us about your run. Before you do, he, was, he, did, he did a 302, but he was telling me just before, his marathon PB was a 258. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> and it was only like a year beforehand, so it wasn't like it was an old, old race. Yeah, it's, it's actually... Yeah, my... my was a schoolboy cross-country type guy back, you know, growing up in Sydney. So, you know, just ran all my life just because it was fun. And then got into this Ironman stuff. And then I think my first kind of here, I did a 3.33 or something like that. And then the next Ironman was a 3.33. And it's like, next one was a 3.33 again. I go, what the hell's this 3.33 all about? My bike would go plus or minus, but I was still doing the same run split. So, uh, and then eventually bought a power meter and sort of understood what pacing's all about, particularly on the bike, and then be able to execute a better run. So and then I think I did it like a 3.11 somewhere and 3.09 another time. And then last year, or 2010, sorry, I, I did a marathon and 
yeah, I, I thought I you know did a ten or twelve week build after Kona and stuff like that, and uh, thought I executed quite well and did a two fifty eight and was pretty happy with it. That was my PB. Previously, I did like a two fifty nine fifty eight, so it's happy with that. And then uh, for twenty eleven, I put in some pretty serious miles, um, some really good weeks, a great a great uh, build about six seven weeks out of Kona and just nailed it you know, did a 500 mile bike week over here in Kona on a camp situation with some uh, good friends back in Honolulu and uh, just was nailing every run you know, basically go out there and do a lot of bricks at pretty fast pace and then back it up on the next day with a long run and just repeat 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 it's not really that difficult and what was it like mate because you know obviously on race day you, you you're saying you, you stepped up your training and and it obviously obviously delivered but during the race did you realize you're caning it and and what did that feel like yeah actually it was interesting because the first you know executions are a pretty tough thing to do on any race on any day but i had actually rehearsed the situation so many times in in training as far as you know visualizing on my long run days go out okay go out at say 430 per k pace keep it control for the first 10 to 12k and then start to step it up when you're coming back. And I was just doing the same thing on race day was that first section out and let you drive, just stay controlled. I was actually trying to slow down. I, you know, I, was, I was getting kilometre splits, so making sure I wasn't going too fast. Not in miles because I wanted to get more split data. I just was actually trying to slow down, slow down, take your time, wait till you get out to the energy lab. And my rehearsal was once I got to the top of the, the energy lab coming out onto the Queen K again, there's a good fuel station there. And just walk that fuel station, take 30 seconds, get everything in, and then I've got 11K to go, and then that's where you, you, you gun it. And so I was actually exceptionally controlled for like 30 kilometres of the run, and probably you know, that was my take-home message was that's what worked for me because I was so controlled on that run. Um, I had a good bike split that year. I, was, I think I did my – it was a pretty good conditions, of course, but it was all about just focusing very, very heavily, like to the point where I really can't recall – um, you know, I actually, I think I passed Albert somewhere probably four or five miles to go and I, I can't really recall the, the situation because it was actually just a bit of a, a fuzz there, just, just sort of just concentrating so heavily. Mentally it was quite draining but, um, you know, so I can't really focus on what I was doing other than just simply just trying to get it home. How nice was it to, or, 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 you know, you're saying, you, okay, mentally you had this game plan, I'm going to control, control for 30 get my mind and you know stop having a bit of walk for 30 seconds was that a kind of cool thing I'm just curious you know was that also a mental reset okay now the game begins actually it really was because during my longer sessions training um, my wife and girls would come out there and meet me about six seven eight k from my uh, home you know, the eight last eight k they'd have a, a cold coke and a refuel and so it was always that mental break of knowing that you know my family's going to be there to help me on a, on a training day get me refueled and then I just gun at home and so it was really the same on on race day I got to the uh, top of the energy lab it was a mental break it was like I'm going to have a little walk break here and I'm going to refuel I'm going to do exactly what I've done for the last six or seven previous training you know long sessions so and I had my family there at the finish line so it was just like a you know, as I said to a good training buddy of mine back in Honolulu, was that uh, this is just a long training day. You just got to execute it. So that was just all about it. You know, it was just the same deal. Just go and execute. So, did you were you able to pick it up in the last ten k? Obviously, or, or was it a case of just holding it together and, and the effort felt harder, but you were just holding it together? Yeah, definitely. The effort felt. Yeah, it was a real mental challenge. That's the difficult saying. Focus was that you would. I was looking at my splits, but it was actually really a perception thing. I wanted to make sure that I, I just did feel in the space that I could. You know, there's still some pretty good hills coming out back home, so you've got to make sure that you're going to get through. Um, so it was. It, I don't think I was going fast. I felt like I was holding it together, and mentally, that's what sort of got me there to to the point. But you know, I don't. I don't uh, really recall the moment too well, except that um, you know, my, my watch told me my splits were, yeah, I was slowing down a bit, but 
It was uh, more of the fact that my plan was there and I was able to execute that plan pretty well. Okay, I was two minutes shy of what my goal wanted to be, but it was it was as close as I, I think I could have ever executed. So. For four minutes off your marathon PB, that's bloody impressive. Hey, just, you know, you've done this race seven times, so you're pretty experienced at it, and, and you've also continued to grow, because I think you got third last year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, so third, lady, it's awesome. So I suppose the only question I have is what some tips you'd have for people coming here doing this race? Yeah, I mean, definitely have uh, a couple of plan. Plan A and plan B is always uh, a, a must at this race and possibly a plan C. Um, for me, I got out of the swim. I'm not a great swimmer, and I got out of the swim surely disheartened. I put a lot of swim effort in last year, I thought I had. And it was a pretty tough swim conditions last year. So you get out of that swim, and whether you are a swimmer, a biker, or a runner, or whatever, if you're evenly uh, strengthened across all three, just don't be disillusioned and disappointed when you get to a certain marker that you have a perception where you're going to be. So it's a long day. Anything can happen, even in the last 10K. So... Uh, easily said, very, very hard to execute on day, but if you have those, those uh, plans sorted out, um, you have a mental game that's you know, very strong, you've pra practiced it quite a bit in, uh, in your training days and got your nutrition sorted out and we're willing to be flexible in, in how you do make adaptions to events that come up and, and hit you, um, you will get it. It may not get you the first, you know, the first year you may take, take another time to come back and another time again, but you know, eventually uh, making small gains, you'll, you'll be able to make some really big advancements in you know, how you race and, and how you achieve. Obviously you did that well. Well, thanks for your time, mate. Great. great yeah. And enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Got, uh, we've got Phil. Wanna, wanna be Kiwi. And, and Phil from uh, firstoffthebike.com. Correct. Like that? You know, that is pretty, I was pretty happy with that, to be honest. And uh, just you made a comment on Joe Lawn's helmet. Tell us about it. Well, what, what is going on? Now, Josh Ricks is wearing it the same. He's an Australian. I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. but it should be. And, and what, is it, what is it on their heads? It looks like it's a, a piece of plastic that sat out in the sun, and it's melted to a point, and then they've just gone and chucked it on their heads. And you had a name for it, which I found quite amusing. Well, I like to call it the knob. <laughs> because, well, for two reasons. A, shaped a little bit like a knob, and B, you look like one when you wear it. <laughs> I made the comment as well earlier. It, it is the worst looking helmet I've ever seen in my life. The Brownlee style, what, what is that brand called? Do you know the, the Brownlee style one? Oh, that was the stack hat, yeah. 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 Got a stack hat. But Only Australians and New Zealanders probably know that one. But, the, but Joe Lawn, we're not commenting on anybody's personality or anything, but the helmet is taking it to a new level. But John, here's the big question. If that gave you five minutes, would you wear it? That's a tricky one. Phil? No, none at all. Fashion is everything out there on the course. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved in that helmet. Difference between Australians and New Zealanders. So for you, mate, today, just getting a look. Are you allowed to put content up today? How does that work? Yeah, we can put some things up. We can't go live like what's going on at the moment, so we're not reporting live, but we do what we do um, with galleries and everything else. And, uh, look, at the end of the day, I think people will want to see the analysis and want to read about it, and that's what we'll hopefully provide by the end of it is uh, a more in-depth look and a bit of a uh, rundown on uh, what unfolded. The rundown. So this is going to be coming out after the race, but we're watching here. The girls are just coming up the turnaround. Predictions at halfway point for girls and boys. Oh, look, you know... Your, your website depends on this credibility. <laughs> no, my website's known for making false predictions. Uh, look, oh, you can't... Pete Jacobs looks amazing, but it's you just don't know how much that bike ride's taken out of him. So does Marino. Marino Vanaka looks great too. So, don't know. There's a couple of dark horses coming up. As for the women, I mean, look, Rennie looks like she's chasing really hard, but, uh, you know, someone like a Mary Beth Alice or, a, you know, someone like that might just surprise people. Nice. Well, there's your picks, mate. We'll, we, we'll go into the website, see how you go on those. Thank you. I'm thinking Mary Beth is looking pretty good too. Oh, the money's on Mary Beth at this stage, team. You'll know because you're listening to this tomorrow. We might look like idiots. Yes, test, test. Okay, so John Newsom, he uh, he pulled out a hat and 
Mr. Gallagher, like that? I love it. You love it. What do you think about this hat? Mate, that is the most average bucket hat I've ever seen. <laughs> he's got the Iron Man branding on it. With uh, He's showing the New Zealand flag, but seriously, that looks average. I think he must have found in the $5 bin at the end of the Iron Man New Zealand. I think you're right. It's the leftovers. It's like, please, someone take this. I've had a bit of an issue. I've been looking around for a new bucket hat everywhere, and I can't seem to find one. And I'm wonder- Maybe it's time you go baseball hat. I wonder if there's a reason for that. I don't like caps. Why? Your ears are going to get burnt to smithereens to start with, and plus they're just not comfortable. John, sometimes cool has to become more practical. Thoughts? Man, I'm thinking uh, Lava Java in the background. They're, uh, they're actually asking him to leave. We've got the security coming out here now. I'm sorry, sir, you have to leave with that hat. <laughs> hey, so we've actually got Pete Jacobs' manager here. So, so uh, Pete Jacobs, like, obviously you guys are going to hear this post-race, but we're about just going to be heading off on the run pretty soon. How exciting is it for you, being the manager of Pete, you know, he's in this pretty good position right now. Tell us about it. It's pretty exciting. Uh, we, you know, we've had a lot of people tell us that last year was a flash in the pan and, and you know, we sort of believed in Pete. He had some great training numbers and he, he truly believed in himself and, and to sort of see him do so well, especially on the bike, when everyone was questioning his bike, he, he didn't go out to sort of prove anything other than, you know, I want to come and win this this year. So he's about six minutes down on Marino as they're coming into town. So... You know, we're nervous, but we're quietly confident. He's going to need to go sub-240, we think. Earlier today, you were saying how, well, Pete, you know, you saw potential in him a few years ago, and, uh, and at that stage, he was almost pulling away from the sport. Maybe you want to tell us that story. Yeah, Pete and I were just out on a, on a casual ride, and uh, he, he was telling me, you know, if I don't start making dollars in the next sort of six months or so, I may have to give the sport away. And that's when we just said, right, you know, we saw the potential of him, and, you know, we've got to do something, and... You know, it's turned into, you know, where we're at today and uh, there were some sponsors that, that backed him and, you know, guys like Boardman. Now, Chris Boardman was, he, he saw the potential in Pete and uh, the CEO of uh, Alan Ingerfield. And so, you know, they've, they've sort of backed him and given him a lot of support and, uh, and other sponsors have come on. But, yeah, there were some nervous times there for a while. So um, last year he sort of, he, he proved himself and, and ho- hopefully this year he'll, he'll back it up. Evan, you, you don't have a history in sports management, do you? Or, or how'd you fall into it? No, that's why I tell people it's, um, you know, I'm Pete's friend first and foremost and, uh, and manager second. And it, it was just something that, you know, when you see a guy with this talent, you know, and I've got a private equity and business background, I just couldn't let a guy like this walk away from the sport. So, so yeah, that's, that's how we got into it. And as my wife uh, started off saying, you know, hey, it's, it was like my charity case. But, um, you know, hey, it's, it's a bet that's come off, and he's doing great. Great return on investment. Hey, well, mate, I'd, I'd be more than happy to see Pete come across the line first today, and I'm sure you'd be more than I would be happy. So good luck, and uh, let's get rid of this head, eh? What do you think, John? You've got to help me go shopping, Bevan. You've got to help me go shopping then. Yeah, we need a camera. This is shocking. Get it off now, Newsom. <laughs> test, test, test. Well, so, so for now... We're along Alihi Drive and we're just waiting for the runners to come around the corners and we're thinking that the lead men are going to be any minute away but we just thought we'd talk about the experience of Alihi Drive right now and uh, this is definitely the spot to be. We're just across the road from Lava Java just by some trees so we've got a bit of shade and uh, the road has been consumed by chalk, hasn't it John? It has. Let go Leander. Go. We can't read it. Go Brad. 
1706 that's you Brad go for it you good thing but uh, yeah the excitement starts to build now the energy that you know the road is going to run through the crowd they'll be pretty hyped up right now and then what will happen is they'll head along the Leahy Drive get back into the boring place again within the run a bit more solo they'll head back in this direction and then they're going to head out towards the energy lab it's kind of a nice atmosphere it's kind of calm right now but as soon as we see those lead vehicles come around the corner which can't be Ben Harper goes by on the motorbike. <laughs> as soon as we see those lead vehicles, we pretty much know that the top guys are coming around the corner and you'll notice big lift in energy, eh, Jumbo? There is, and we've got the cheering happening. He's coming, so turn it off, Bevan. Okay, coming. it's coming right now. So, this is another thing you do uh, when you're in Alehi Drive is you become a bit of a timekeeper, don't you, John? You get your clock out, you get your watch out, and you uh, you run along the road and you think you're helping the pros by yelling at times, don't you, John? And everybody's giving them a slightly different time, and the pros are probably going, what the hell is going on? I've just made up 10 seconds and I've lost 20. I've just lost 40 seconds. Oh, good, I made up a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, we're sitting here and time is ticking away. We're already up to six minutes since uh, Marino went past. So, come on, Pete Jacobs. Come on. Come on, Pete. You can do it. Test, test, test. Okay, Jumbo, so we're just behind the uh, the security access point, although we're allowed to go through because we've got media passes, but the race is uh, just finished and Pete Jacobs is just taken out first, and uh, uh, we're not sure who's going to be second, but we're sure by the time you guys listen to this you'll know, but uh, thoughts, John? Very, very Crowy-like performance. You know, he uh, swam as well as we all expected him to do. He ran, um, we haven't seen the splits yet, but just pretty dominating performance, really, when you put it, you know, just caught Marino and then uh, it was just domination. Well, I think the thing that, that like, we didn't see much of the coverage on the TV, but um, his manager even was saying that really the, the bike pack was making him do all the work because they knew they were the strongest runner there. So they're like, bugger it, you pull. And so, you know, the guy did a triathlon today, didn't he? It did. And it's been a bit, it's been a day of dramas. You know, we had, uh, we, we also spoke to Andreas Raylertz. Um, I'm not sure if he was manager or whatever, what position he was, but he was saying Andreas Raylert came out of the swim and got to his bike and realised he had the wrong bag. Yeah, five minute transition. Yeah, because I was, I couldn't understand why he was so far back. Then you had Sebastian Keenley, Keenley uh, puncturing, um, girls, the penalties all over the show. Uh, very interesting day. I think on the guy side of things, one of the, one of the things we went to the um, Mecca's announcement of challenge the other day, and you know Mecca's saying, "Well, I'm going to be racing because the young kids aren't coming through. You know, they've got to take it off us." And I, you know, what today, you know, it's hard to base it on one race, but you know, you can kind of say it's changing of the guard, really, can't you? It was, and that's why I said when I I wanted someone new to win, I wanted Ray Luke to win because I wanted to see that changing of the guard. As much as I love Crowley and Mecca, um, I think it's a good thing we've seen some some new guys coming through. It's been great. Now you guys obviously know the results and we don't know them yet because the race isn't finished but Badman, what do you think about her in fifth? Amazing, we were standing on the hill, uh, Palani Hill at the start of the ride and Steve Tarpanian there was, said oh, I've just been doing a little bit of work with Natasha Badman and she came out and I noticed she was only like 10 minutes down out of the swim, we've seen her be like 20 minutes down I thought game on for her and she must have, we, oh, we saw her running out on the Queen Cup. She was fifth at that stage. And looking good, so I'm sure she'll finish there or thereabouts. Because she can run, we know she's a runner isn't she? Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 45 she is, yeah. 45. Nice. Yeah, so so now we're going to try to get some interviews as the pros and all, some of the top age group has come through, we're going to get that on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day out here and uh, you know, I wouldn't mind going for a bit of a swim in that water mate. That'd be quite nice for us now, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be a way to go. Anyway, we'll get into it. John, John just wants to say something. It's just funny. We, we're so standing here after the finish line. Ferris has just come through in fifth place. We're on the beach next to King Cam, and he walks through, and like there's nothing around for him. 
he's just make his own way through and he's got to go find a seat and there's there's no entourage, no crowd. It just it must be a big letdown when almost a letdown once you, you get through this year. Or I guess it could be relaxing. It, it seems quieter this year, John. Last year when we were out here and it was absolutely massive of just people everywhere. This year it seems absolutely dead, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, but you're right, yeah, there's not much not much love out here is there, John. Other from John and Bevan. Scott Bow, we've got Scott Bow on the show. It right, John. <laughs> you like that? Scott Bow on. If you ever donate to the show, Scott the Bow. Scott the Bow on the show. Nice. The bow tie. Hey, how'd you go, mate? Uh, 924, 8925. Nice. Happy with that? What was that? Were you happy with that? Yeah, I uh, woke up kind of sick yesterday, so very happy. Um, you know, take roll with punches. What? Tell us about your day. Uh, the swim was pretty decent. I wanted to quit on the bike until hour four, then I felt good. Uh, and I was felt really good. Half, first half marathon, then I wanted to die, then I felt good again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've crossed the first line, you feel even better. Exactly. <laughs> it's your first time here? Uh, third. Wow. And best performance? Yeah. Wow, great work. Great work. Congratulations, mate, and uh, keep up the good work. All right, thanks. So, John, um, yeah, thoughts overall? Uh, lots of thoughts. One was um, Jordan Rapp was a lot of people people were talking about a lot of a person a lot of people were talking about, and he he was miles behind out of the swim. I think he was fifty nine versus the first guys coming out in around about fifty minutes, um, and he didn't look great going out of the bike, but he came back and I think he was just outside the top ten. He he wanted to get you know top ten, possibly top five, but I was kind of I, I was just stoked for the people that you saw didn't throw the towel in and they fought their way through even though they weren't having their best day and there was quite a few of them out there today Joycey, Crowey, um, Dirk Bockel and they just hung tough um, so that was good to see you didn't see many people throwing the towel in um. and I think that's really important because you know that's what our sport really represents isn't it it's that you know whatever anything's possible I'm not sure the exact saying but that whole we don't give up and you know a lot of the people out there today like Joycey, like, like Dirk Bockel, like, you know, they had a good reason to give up. And I think if Joycey had pulled out of the race, no one would have said, oh, you know, poor effort, you know. But they stuck at it, and uh, it really just shows, you know, that these guys are meant to be our role models, and they were our role models, weren't they? And they do, you know, like, uh, I can't remember who it was the other day said, you know, I've got to go home to my kids, and if I give up, what sort of an example is that, is that setting? Um, so that was really pleasing. Um, Mecca, your thoughts? We'll just have to go and go and see. We we saw his. Uh, I'm not sure what his title is, but Mick, his mate or manager, I'm not quite sure what his title is, at the uh, entry into the Energy Lab, and you know got a puncher, and that was his, his day really. Um, so he's yeah, a bit interesting in saying that, and I'm sure Mick, you've probably heard from Mick because he, he he's not one to wait to talk, but um, he didn't seem to be able to bridge the gap, did he, on the bike? You know, he didn't have a great swim for Mecca. And, uh, and word on the street, was the swim wasn't that aggressive, but um, also didn't seem to have the ability to, to bridge the gap. And someone we were talking to, some of the guys we were talking to, at first the bike wasn't as ballistic as what it has been in previous years. He did, when he first came out of the swim, it seemed like in the first little stretch around town he was bridging, but then once they got on the Queen K, once Marino had obviously gotten away from him, um, he didn't have a huge number of people to work with and... Yeah, it's, uh, hey, <laughs> he's got nothing really to prove here. He, he, as Mick's mate was telling us, he's won a world title he beat, uh, in the ITU Worlds this year. He's, uh, he, you know, he, he showed some good character getting back into ITU and getting his, his run pretty quick. Um, so, hey, those guys, they've got nothing to prove, but, um, yeah, we'll just have to find out what went wrong.
So from here, guys, tomorrow we will probably put another show up tomorrow, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll probably put the one with. We'll record the whole media conference and get that out for you guys so you can have a listen to that as well. Um, it'll pretty much be the same stuff you've probably heard, but you can listen to that. And we've got in a couple of interviews we did as well. And, uh, yeah, so we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Just quickly, the sponsors again, John. Our main sponsors for this trip are the Manolani Bay Hotel and Bungalows. If you want a nice relaxing time over here, go on a camp. They've got a 25 metre pool. Um, just an awesome, awesome place, relaxing place to go. And endurance sport travel. If you ever want to get into any race around the world that may be sold out, um, check them out first because they've often got spots to races you can't get into. And uh, if you're ever coming to Kona as either an athlete or a spectator, check them out because they really know how to look after you. Yeah, guys, um, and also just a big one we need to say a big thank you to is to everybody who donated to the show to get us over here this year. Um, we, you know, we say this every year, and, and John and I love being here, and, and we take we take a big responsibility being here. We want to do good work for you guys, and uh, the feedback we, we, back we get is that you guys really love what we do, but it, it really does come down from those listeners who actually, you know, open their wallet and decide that they want us here, and so you know who you are, and, and we just really, really appreciate that, and, uh, you know, we know we give you a fun nickname to do with it, but, you know, Hopefully we deliver on what we promise. So thank you to those people who donated. Um, tonight we're going to hang around a little bit longer here. We're going to watch the media conference, maybe hang out a little bit longer, see if we can make it to 12 o'clock. And, uh, and then tomorrow we'll get some more interviews out to you guys. I'm looking forward to sleeping, I have to admit. You have tried to sleep and we've both got creaky beds. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with what we're doing in those beds. So anyway, um, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, spread the word team. What is it? Iron Russ. Iron Men don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Love your work.